0: Hello everyone, and welcome to the August 26th, 2020 edition of Weekly Manga Recap. I am... Yep, that's a good sign. I'm <laughs> Nick
1: and Chris. Sorry, you cut out there for oh, a second. We had a little cut. We had a
0: little I'm hiccup. here, I'm little, here. Little that's little great... Weekly Manga Recap off to a great, flawless start. Everything is fine. Mm-hmm. We're all fine here. Yep. Uh, Chris, how are you feeling? It's healthy, right? You're feeling healthy.
1: Yeah, if uh, healthy means very sick. And uh, I've been very concerned because obviously we're, we're, we're currently living through the, the COVID pandemic crisis right now. And uh, I was very lucky that I had a friend with me throughout this, uh, someone who's a part of the show, someone who's been with me, uh, what feels like forever. That friend, of course, is Honey Mustard, uh, because <laughs> I, I went to eat something and like the number one like telltale sign, I guess, that you have COVID as opposed to something else is like a loss of smell and taste. Right, And I was really worried. I was starting to worry because I was like, I, don't, I can't really smell anything. And then finally had a little honey mustard on something. I was like, I taste that tang. You can't hide that tang from me. <laughs> so who knows? It might still be COVID. I might not have gotten
0: right. to that point yet. People, We don't know. Uh, people's symptoms do uh, apparently come in different forms. But uh, yeah, you know, just keep, keep an eye on yourself, man. Yeah. Uh, so but you know what here's a way that's going to help you feel better is we're going to have a we got a fuck ton of manga to talk
1: about. oh boy that's that's (laughs) the thing i've i've been sleeping on and off today because i was like i need to do as much as i can to preserve my voice for what is undoubtedly going to be like a three hour long episode of weekly manga recap
0: and in the interest of that chris we have so much manga to talk about uh largely because there was no manga last week. So there were like, you know, double issues of everything came out. I think we've got two chapters of Eden Zero to to talk about this week. So, uh, yeah, in the interest of doing the series justice, I guess I'll say, we are going to leave off the big recommendation that we are. We've been working on uh, Black Butler or Kuroshi Tsuji uh, for next week. And I know that some people might be wondering, well, what's going to happen with Statistics September? Don't worry. As soon as we're done with Black Clover, we are Black Clover. As soon as we're done with Black Clover, <laughs> you it's wish, all man. over this week, Chris. <laughs> you wish. <laughs> After that massive cliffhanger <laughs> that we leave on. All-
1: <laughs> they were like, and it's done. Goodbye, everybody.
0: Everyone <laughs> waves to Black- the camera. As soon as we're done with Black Butler, we will get to reading uh, Code Breakers, uh, and that will be our big September review. But uh, we need a little bit more time to, to uh, let Black Butler gestate and also, you know, gather our energy and uh, our concentration for it. Because yeah. we've got so many big things to talk about this week. New stuff, stuff ending uh, that. Yeah, we might as well, I guess, get into it. Um, so let's start off with My Hero Academia. It's chapter number 281 plus ultra. I can't believe that there hasn't been a chapter titled that before. Maybe there's been a chapter titled that, but with like exc- exclamation points because Something there's like none that. in this one. Yeah. Uh, Shigaraki was not looking like he was in great shape because, you know, Izawa was there pinning him down with his cork negation stuff, he keeps on getting punched in the face and exploded and fired and all that stuff. What do you ever do to deserve this? Nothing. I say, I, <laughs> That leader of this revolution that's killing so many people.
1: I like even so, justice, Nick. What did, what did Shigaraki do wrong? Nothing. I say nothing for nobody.
0: Shigaraki's upset at all the heroes, calls them all hypocrites because, you know, they pretend to protect everyone. And of course we see in his flashback when he was in trouble and everyone was just kind of like basking by because he was a weird little homeless looking kid and they didn't stop to help him. And, uh, so he says the system is rotten with maggots crawling out. It builds up little by little over time. You've got the common trash too dependent on being protected. The brave guardians who created that trash the knees coddling. It's a corrupt, vicious cycle. Everything I've witnessed, the whole system you've built has always rejected me. Basically, Shigaraki is 12 right now. And uh, he's going on. He, he's just discovered that the world is shit. And uh, he's hormonal enough to uh, be angry about it. So, yeah. Uh, so he wants to destroy society. He reiterates that. And he says, I don't care if you don't understand. That's what makes us heroes and villains. He's so 12 years old. I swear.
1: Nick, what Linkin Park song would be set to the AMV over this scene?
0: Uh, I feel like one step closer. Yeah, because the. It's got that angst factor down because mm. that was the big like I'm angry Lincoln Park song. Yeah, uh, Given Up maybe. Mm. Yeah, further down the line because that's got all the anger as well. Um, but yeah, I think I think that one step closer defines like oh I'm about I'm about to break I'm I'm <laughs> I'm about to go nuts so on you whereas <laughs> Given Up is literally just like I don't care anymore. So yeah, we'll get to Given Up like uh, a couple months or now nobody asked me what happened what about a song out, that came out after uh to midnight because i don't remember any of them but uh, <laughs>
1: castle glass is kind of good question mark
0: uh what was that one is that new divide the one that they did for the transformers movie that's all right i i,
1: I don't i don't know the difference between new divide and what i've done i, I, I i'll be honest i feel like they're the exact same song <laughs>
0: They do. They are very much structured and like tonally the same.
1: The the perfect song to robots punching each other in generic landscapes.
0: Uh, Or, you know, we could go for The Catalyst or any of the other songs from that album that were not good. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Endeavor responds to Shigaraki going on his preteen Wankst Fest. By punching him with fire and saying, thanks for making a speech so that I could recover and fire you some more. It's
1: nice that the hero finally gets that moment of like, thanks for talking endlessly about nonsense.
0: The number one hero, everyone. So uh, Endeavor basically is like, I'm going to kill you now. But Shigaraki uh, is super, super, super strong. And he just jumps out of the fire and goes to attack uh, which causes Gran Torino to step in. And so, he uses his super speed, knocks Shigaraki to the ground, and observes that uh, Endeavor seems to not be as strong at this point. Uh, possibly he's just running out of endurance, because remember, he was in the big group fight before trying to go after Shigaraki. So uh, his fire might be running out, basically. Uh, Shigaraki responds to J- Gran Torino tackling him, by whipping around, Gran Torino tries to dodge, but he just grabs his leg, blows it up, essentially. And, of course, everyone immediately tries to jump in as he throws the the little old man to the ground. And this causes Gran Torino to recall, uh, to go to flashback because he might be dying now. Uh... <laughs> So he flashes back to back when uh, Nana Shimura gave up uh, her son, and uh, basically she's like, "Yeah, I, I take her with my family records so that you know all for one won't be able to find him, and because if he were to learn about him, then he would exploit that connection." And so she says, "I have no son. I never did. I." And of course, she's horribly broken up about this and a young, much, much taller Gran Torino uh, hugs her and covers her as she cries. And uh, Gran Torino uh, is thinking about this while, of course, you know, Shigaraki is thinking about how Nana Shimura abandoned her family. But of course, he knows the truth that he did this in order to protect them. And it was a very difficult decision for her to make as blood is going everywhere. Yay! Deku is upset. He lunges in after after Shigaraki. Endeavor tells him to stay back uh, so that he can, you know, launch more fire at him, but Shigaraki dodges around that. And uh, while everyone's been distracted from this, they've left Aizawa unprotected. So Shigaraki's going for the guy and getting all of his quirks. Fortunately, Ryukyu's there. She's all dragoned up. She tries to grab him, uh, but Shigaraki is so strong that he just shoves his hand through her hand it's a little bit difficult from this point forward to figure out exactly what is going on i was very i had a very hard time following the actual action there's a lot of weird jumps between close-ups and and outshots and
1: wait a minute nick that. are you implying that my hero was kind of incomprehensible in a draft or no
0: no no i've been having a lot of that since this fight started haven't we i've been having a lot of that for four years now oh. Uh, Deku again latches on to Shigaraki Uh, he is like summoning his black whip around him as well Shigaraki responds to this by uh, elbowing him in the ribcage which uh, causes him to cough up blood I'm sure he's fine Mm -hmm. whenever you cough up blood after that you're fine just ignore it keep going Deku keeps on trying to bind him up with the Black Whip ability. Bakugo, uh, not Bakugo, Endeavor comes rushing in and he's just surrounded by fire everywhere. Uh, He's like, I've got to get one more hit in on this guy with everything that I've got. And then Shigaraki does a thing that I had a very difficult time following. He reaches into his pocket for the quirk suppression bullets. But there's also this big zoom in on the hand that's sticking through Ryukyu's hand. But so he's got a bullet in that one. Uh, I'm not sure what he's planning on doing with that. And then he gets another bullet out with his free hand. So I'm not sure what's going on here, but he's trying to use the quirk suppression bullets. And to let us know that they're the quirk suppression bullets, we get a a shot of Aerie at the very end, who is naive to all of this that's going on. Yes.
1: So, hey, Grant Torino might be dead.
0: Who knows? Yep. Uh, I thought that the Gran Torino stuff was pretty good. I kind of watched the entire chapter were about it, because once it gets into all this other stuff, it's like, what's going on? So. Yeah.
1: Now, I'm dumb. Uh, So is Gran Torino the father? Is that the implication? I don't know, Chris. Okay. I, I don't want to make know. sure it wasn't, like, really, really dumb.
0: Uh, I mean, I am, never, but. They never stated who the father of... Shimura's son is um so I don't know
1: maybe alright I was just checking I wasn't sure if they were trying to allude to something between uh
0: her and and Gran Turino there people in the chat are letting us know that they think that it was mentioned that uh her husband or lover or whatever died so so Gran Turino is just a really close person I don't know. Maybe they were fucking after she had the kid, Chris. I don't know. Maybe. You know what? Good for her. That'd be a weird, like, last words to have, like, if Grandeur were like, oh, you've got to save her-, her grandson. By the way, I was totally hitting that. <laughs> it's like, that sweet, sweet ass. Uh, oh, there goes my heart. <laughs> like, mm, I wish his
1: heart had given out on him a couple seconds earlier and preserved some of his dignity. <laughs>
0: Uh, okay, what what do we have next? We have
1: Boruto I'll... next. Boruto, Boruto number 49 Prepared! Which honestly feels worthless without B in front of it. Then, yeah. it's a great title, but just prepared, yeah, it's so, kind
0: of eh. So, th- this chapter, I feel like honestly could be summed up pretty quickly, as in they're gonna go fight him now, but uh... <laughs> That's basically what happens. There is a really amusing bit at the very beginning where... um, God, I I keep on forgetting this guy's name because his name has changed. Ishiki? Ishiki? I
1: think it's Ishiki now. It was Jigen. Right. But now that that Ishiki's taken over, I
0: think he's just Ishiki now. So he is in Konoha now that he has uh, dispatched uh, Jiraiya's clone dude. Uh and so he's just like, well, I'm going to go find my karma vessel guy. And so he's just looking around while people are like panicking and, and, and you know, an alert has been raised and stuff like that. So eventually he spots two ninjas and he just goes up to them and he's like, I'm looking for a boy named Kwaki. <laughs> you, you tell me where he
1: is? I do like how Ashiki has become such like a natural character at this point where he's like, I need to find this guy.
0: Hey, do you know where he is? Ah He's like, Oh bother. This again. <laughs> so of course, Nameless Ninja A makes the greatest mistake any ninja in Naruto can possibly make, which is he throws shurikens <laughs> <laughs> at his shiki. Oh. The other guy's like, No, we don't have permission to engage, but the the shuriken vanish and then reappear in the second guy. <laughs> That guy has to be so bitch. He's like, ah, you dumb fucking asshole. Ah. He's going to kill you. Ah, you asshole. He's killing me.
1: <laughs> I got one in the face. The face.
0: So that's happening. They, Of course, Naruto gets word that like a combatant is down because his partner was being a dumbass. Uh, there's a whole bunch of people, you know, just saying stuff to each other. It's not important. Uh, Shikamaru tries to escort Boruto away, but Sasuke is like, hang on a sec, I need a minute with him. We cut cut over to where Naruto is. He flies over towards Ishiki, uh, and, um, Ishiki stops, I guess? It kind of looks like he gets hit for a second, but I think he's just putting the brakes on while he's flying. Yeah. So Naruto is squaring off against him, uh, and Sasuke, meanwhile, is talking to Boruto, and he says, You know, it's going to be tough for Naruto and I to take this guy down. Because when we fought Jigen, we couldn't even touch him. Uh, so, hey, I heard what happened in that fight against Boro, and apparently, Sarada said you got really super strong. So. <laughs> help, help me out here, kid. <laughs> He doesn't, like, say that exactly, but he is the one to broach the topic, <laughs> so I'm pretty sure he's like, hey, you know, I used to have this seal thing that was really dangerous but made me super strong. Uh, so <laughs> Look,
1: I don't want to throw it out there that I need this 10-year-old to win this fight for us, but you're a 10-year-old and you could win the fight for us, so can you? <laughs>
0: And Boruto's like, I mean, I like, I lost all sense of myself, and I, I think that based on what Amado said, that I turned into Momoshiki. Interesting, and the time I fascinating
1: is that a yes is really kind of what I'm, i just i'm not really looking for more than a yes or no answer it better be yes
0: because man we're pinning a lot on this i mean, I don't know if if, if, if i turn into him then i'm gonna we'll pick you up, up now one suki for another your danger
1: i'm just gonna pick you up and carry you to the fight <laughs> so you can decide on the way if you definitely up- want to <laughs>
0: You're bringing up things that tomorrow Sasuke will worry about. <laughs> Today, Sasuke needs you to save his ass right now.
1: I didn't get to where I was without committing war crimes, so I'm absolutely <laughs> fine with this. You have to understand.
0: I will let any 10-year-old endanger themselves if it means this stupid town stays safe. You know all the things that I can do with just my eyes? Do you know all the things I did in order to be able to do that? <laughs> None of them <laughs> my good. St- My sense of morals is shaky at best.
1: I didn't get a whole lot of heroic power-ups, if you kind of get what I'm saying
0: here. (laughs) If you catch the drift. I got the crying tears of blood kind of (laughs) power-ups. So, anyway, we go over to Ishiki and Naruto. They say stupid things to each other for a little bit. uh, And then they start to fight. And they don't do anything because they're just trying to punch and kick each other. That saves me about four pages that I have to recap. Yep. Uh, then Sasuke shows up. And Naruto's like, you're late. Sasuke's like, I had to prepare. And he says, Naruto, cover me with throwing weapons. Naruto's like, did you see what happened to the last guy? That <laughs>
1: Sasuke, you know the number one rule of being a ninja throwing weapons never work. I don't know why we passed 10-10, to be honest. It felt kind of cruel. Aww. <laughs>
0: Important. <laughs> so they start throwing some shurikens sasuke is rushing in towards ishiki while they throw shurikens and kunai and all that stuff uh and ishiki uses his shrinking jutsu thing which you know he's using the shrinking jutsu thing a because he uses the shrinking jutsu uh incantation and b they disappear, and Naruto says he's shrinking all of them. Yes, yes, Naruto, that's that that's his jutsu. I I, I know. Thank you.
1: You saw it. Like is isn't a surprise to you either. You know he can shrink things. So, I believe. Well, no, the the camera went out by that point, didn't it? A little camera what? frog. Didn't the camera frog go out before Jigen was able to start using the shrinking thing I mean, they ability?
0: Him before, and he used his shrinking ability Did on he?
1: them. Oh, okay then. Never mind.
0: Uh, and they were still watching while he uh, couldn't absorb the fire. Anyway, uh, they're throwing stuff at this guy. And Ishiki's just thinking, like, what the hell are they trying to do? Uh, then Sasuke throws his sword. Very good throw, because Katana is not throwing weapons. Uh, and so Ishiki's just like, whatever, I'll just shrink it. And then the sword keeps coming towards him. And he's like, what? what? <laughs> and then it booms, And it's Boruto in a transformation jutsu. Chris. It's a callback, yeah, to like chapter like forty or something of Naruto. I don't even think it's that far. I, I like that
1: seems kind of. I think it might be like fourteen, to be honest.
0: When they uh, did the the big old uh, giant Shuriken transformation yep. thing, so yeah, hey, I like it. Yep. Um, and so Sasuke kind of you know is like bragging before any they their tactic has done anything. You know the way you do. And uh, he's like, the jutsu can shrink anything except living creatures. And Ishiki has enough time to react to go, you snarky brat. Um, So I don't know why he doesn't just like, okay. And, you know, enlarge a pillar in front of him to block this or something. But we go back to the conversation that Sasuke and Boruto were having. And... Sasuke just basically says, like, listen, if you, like, turn into, you know, a, a weird demon guy and go berserk on everyone, I'll stop you, even if I have to kill you. I'm willing to kill a 12-year-old. I just want you to know that. You know, I've done way worse. He's <laughs> so. like, I'm 15. Whatever. You're something. <laughs> You're something that's too young for
1: me to be so boldly saying I'll kill you with no qualms. That's how old you are.
0: Uh, so... He says all that, and then Boruto's like, Hey, last time when we went to rescue Dad from Omashiki, remember you lent me your headband? Can I borrow it again? And Sasuke's like, fine, you little goober, here you go. <laughs> and uh, we cut, catch back up to the present, and Ishiki's like, I'm not even going to bother doing anything about this kid, because what can he possibly do about this? And then Boruto summons a space-time jutsu and sucks them both away from, from, uh, from Konoha. And Naruto's like, how the hell did he do that? And then Sasuke's like, come on, let's go follow them. And they do. And they're like, all right, we're going to fight out in this wasteland now. And for some reason, Dashiki's like, I will fight you instead of just flying back to Konoha, I guess. So they're going to fight in this in this in the in the DBZ special in the, you know, the abandoned wasteland uh, with mountains so
1: i like to think that like the power rangers show
0: up with a bad guy they're like oh are you guys using this space oh okay we'll, we'll find somewhere else we'll we'll, right. we'll, we'll, we'll go that way you know, we've got this place reserved for 7 30 so do you guys think oh 7 30 central time sorry all right yeah yeah i forgot time zones work with we'll be over here
1: uh you know if you guys finish early we'll just jump in so you know good luck
0: to i guess the good guys who knows whatever bye <laughs> That guy was saying he was going to kill that twelve-year-old. So I'm not sure which one <laughs> I want to win. I think they're all the bad guys at this show.
1: <laughs> Must be one of those Game of Thrones things.
0: Uh, yeah. So that was Boruto last week. Yep. Yeah,
1: it's a it's a fine well,
0: chapter. That was all right. I thought that the I I I, uh, I saw the whole. Boruto transformation thing, I was like, I understood that reference, and that made me happy, and uh, that was about it. That's about all I have to say about it. It's okay.
1: Alright, we have uh, Kaiju number eight
0: now. Chapter eight. Kaiju. Number eight. Eight. So, last time, the secret was revealed. Uh, a kaiju transformation has been revealed by our brave protagonist in front of uh, Super Genius Girl. I'm, I'm, I'm bad at names. I'll remember them eventually. Uh, and the chapter's not loading. So, yay. <laughs> so,
1: I mean, it, it's basically, there's a big bunch of chaos. Uh, the friend guy's like, well, we should get out of here. And he's like, nah, fuck, Kafka's gone. That idiot wouldn't transform. God damn it, he did it. He's he, I know he's going to do it. He's just like, I just knew this dumb asshole is going to fucking transform and run out.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay, there we go. Uh, we catch back up to uh, Kafka. He turns to uh, Kikoru uh, after he's taken his, you know, kaiju form, looking all intimidating, got that skull face with the horns and everything. And she's like, wait a minute, you're a kaiju? Don't tell me you are in that in league with that other one or you know each other. or..." And Kafka just turns to her and he's like, Kikoru, please don't tell me what about this, Please! <laughs> Immediately like forgetting all about the kaiju buried down and then was like, Don't give away my secret, please. uh I don't have time to worry to address that whole matter, however, because the big ass kaiju, uh, it's a firing a sarrow at them. So Kafka immediately turns, just lifts his hand up and deflects the blast immediately. And Kafka says, Well, look, I'll, I'll explain later. I need to take this thing down right now, so just sit there and relax for a minute. Uh, We cut over to the headquarters uh, where the uh, proctors were, you know, uh, observing everything. Uh, And they're like, there is this really weird reading going on over there. Uh, Someone apparently sees Kafka's energy spike because it's basically off the charts uh, in terms of readings. And uh, they're like. But uh, they kind of dismiss this because they're like, well, the last jewel must have kind of thrown off the the calculation. That's all. So. Because if it's not an error, then whatever this is, will go down in the history books as one of the the strongest kaiju to ever exist. A die kaiju. Vegas kaiju attacks. Kafka plants his foot. And I mean, like. Plants his foot like he grows out extra tendons so that he has um, a greater planting. And uh, he's like, I need to do this quickly. So I'm just going to just kill you in one shot. Yeah. Uh, his elbow opens up and like a jet fires out of it to give them extra punching power. And what unfolds is, well, the Kaiju. But also... <laughs> One of the coolest displays of an organic thing getting hit really, really hard that I've ever seen because it also punches Kafka's fist. And in return, the force of Kafka's punch blows all the muscles off of its arm, then the rest of its body, and then a cracks go up along its skeleton and disintegrate the entire thing. And this happens over the course of three pages. It's really cool.
1: Oh, it's awesome! And I love the immediate like reaction panel directly afterwards of her just being like, "What the fuck just happened?"
0: So <laughs> then we have Kafka, you know, try to deliver this awesome one-liner because he's like, "Yeah, let's see you try." And come back after that, and then like the muscles and bones start like spasming as if they're going to wind themselves back together. He's like, "Oh no, I'm just kidding! Don't do that!" But then they collapse yeah. permanently. So. <laughs> So Kikaru is like, holy crap, this guy is way stronger than I could possibly ever be. Then Kafka reaches towards her and she instinctively flinches, but of course he's just punching another, uh, a, a weaker Kaijiro Yoju that appeared behind her. Uh, and so he's just protecting her from that. Uh, His face starts to, you know, peel peel away into his regular face and he just kind of gives her this big dopey smile and says, I'm glad you're safe. And then his transformation completely fades and he says, hey, piece of advice, you need to make your own safety more of a priority. Which, you know, understandable because she was basically putting her entire body on the line in order to protect people when that wasn't her job to do. Ishikawa shows up on the scene. And tells Kafka, you should do the same, because, of course, he is just jeopardized his chance of getting into this, uh, into uh, the unit and also, you know, could just be thrown in jail or executed. Uh, So he's caught up with Kafka, of course, and Kafka's like, well, I mean, I thought that I might just get away with, like, transforming part of my body, but then I realized how powerful the thing I was up against was, so I decided it wasn't good. Uh, at that moment, as they're arguing, Kikaru collapses unconscious because, um, yeah, she nearly had a bunch of holes blown in her. Uh, and uh, then we cut over to uh, Ashura and Hoshina, the two uh, proctors for the test, including Kafka's childhood friend. And they have arrived on the scene and armed with weapons. Uh, seemingly, they are, have not taken out the uh, other kaiju yet, so...
1: Yeah. Uh, This is a pretty good chapter. I like a lot of the action in it, and uh, I really like Kafka's relationship with uh, Kikuru. Um, I kind of don't love the end of the chapter. I don't know why. I guess it's supposed to be pretty exciting to be like his childhood friends at the scene. But to be honest, that's like the least interesting part about Kafka is that he Mm -hmm. has this kind of stereotypical like oh, pretty girl who I have like a long backstory with. Like, I I wonder if that's going to be interacted with at some time. And I'm like, I don't know, I kind of enjoy him much more of this, like, goofy dad character. He's just like, I blew up this monster, please don't tell anybody that I did it, please!
0: I do appreciate that that they're kind of seemingly going in that direction of, yeah, like a a sort of fatherly relationship Uh uh, with this girl who is pushing herself too hard and has really bad daddy issues, of course. Um, And I think that part of it is just that his relationship with Hoshina has very much been put just in the background like it's this just kind of like driving force we have been aware of so far but we haven't really seen any aspect of it beyond the promise they made with each other when they were kids the fact that she succeeded and he didn't and that's yeah. literally it we haven't had seen them like hold a conversation since then to find out really where they stand with each other which might be where this is leading
1: to yeah And honestly, she might be a more interesting character once we get to know her. All we kind of know right now is like, she's the cool ice queen. Nobody really talks to her. She walks around in a towel and has a tiger. And you'd think that'd be really cool. But for some reason, after reading so much manga, I'm kind of like, yeah, it's all right. I guess the tiger is kind of a neat touch, but.
0: Well, she's just like really into cats. (laughs) She might be. I mean,
1: hey, who isn't? When you get right down to it. Yeah.
0: Well yeah, it was a fun chapter, pretty short, uh but I it, but like I said I really like the moment where he just delivers the punch because I don't think I've actually seen I've seen that done in a couple of like kind of monstrous uh series before, but the exact way it happened with just the body disintegrating layer by layer was really cool. So
1: Cool. So we're going to we're going to talk about the uh the photography thing, right? Uh yes. Yep. So... All right, I got my background ready for
0: it. Let's okay. talk
1: about Lock-On, Nick! Let's talk about Lock-On! Let's on. talk
0: about Lock-On! Uh, it's kind of a hybrid between Lock-On and every Exorcist series that has debuted in <laughs> Jump this year, so... Have we had some? Yeah, there's been a one or two, you know. Uh, spirit photographer Saburo, Saburo Kodo, which is by the team that made the Promised Neverland. they didn't <laughs> I mean, they didn't take a very long vacation, did they? Nope, gotta get another one out. <laughs> it's been like two months since the promise never landed, <laughs> and they suddenly, were like, yeah, we made a one shot. Um, this is a bit different from when we did uh, uh, All Ghouls Homeroom, because that one it was like, okay, this is a pilot. Yeah. Like, it's definitely a pilot. You cannot mistake it for anything else. Whereas this one is like, I can see this just kind of like just being on its own and then never being picked up on again. Uh, It is about a photographer named Saburo. He is a very weird, initially incredibly creepy looking guy. He's got, you know, the big, uh, you know, the promised Neverland evil grin kind of as his default expression. Mm -hmm. And also he's got curled hair, not like not curly hair, curled hair, which. Yeah. uh, Yeah. and he shows up, he takes over this apartment that that is haunted because a woman died in it fairly recently. Uh, and then...
1: Eerie inter- Gray has a great point. He looks like a creepy Inspector Gadget, now that I see it. Like, now that I'm looking at it, I'm like, yeah, it looks like a really terrifying Inspector Gadget.
0: the half, yes. Saburo introduces himself to Sota, the young boy who lives next door to said haunted apartment. And introduce himself and he's like, Oh, I'm a photographer, but I'm not a normal photographer. Here. I here. I've taken this here. Have this souvenir of our meeting. Because he like snapped a candid photo of him as soon as he answered the door. And so, of course, Soda's trying to get rid of the guy. He's trying to get rid of the guy. He's trying to get rid of the guy. But he keeps on like shoving his foot in the door and stuff like that. And he basically kidnaps the kid. <laughs> like honestly. Uh he drags Soda next door. And uh, is asking Soto all sorts of questions about the after, you know, saying like, oh, this is, you know, here's my you know, specialty camera and stuff. This is why I do. I, I, I do spirit photography. It's my job. You know, I can I can actually take photos of people and use it to transfer and capture the souls of the dead. You know, like that rumor that there is that, you know, if you take a photo of someone, it steals part of their soul. It's kind of like that. And Soda immediately freaks out and he's like, it doesn't work on living people. But, you know, he's like, hey, I want to ask you some questions about the girl, the woman who lived here and stuff. And Soda tries to say, like, well, a lady jumped off the balcony four months ago on a rainy day and her name was Yoko Kakizaki. She was just some typical adult. We barely spoke, but she was a pleasant, kind person. And so Saburo's is like, well, why did she commit suicide? And so Soda's like, what? There wasn't a no. I don't know. Um, but he keeps on pressing him and he's like, Hmm, so maybe it wasn't suicide since her death. And so Soda's like, well, everyone's left here immediately since she died. And they always see, you know, this, this spirit at night, they get grabbed, they got scared. And so it was probably Yoko's ghost, but maybe they were just lying because you haven't seen a ghost. So let me go home. And so Saburo's like, Hmm, I guess, well, it is almost nighttime though. So he's let, he lets Sota go, but as he reaches for, so for the door, the door locks on its own. And so Sota's is like, is there someone who you loaned the keys to? Is it the landlord? What is it? And Saburo says, well, maybe it's not a guest. And he says, you see, even if I lock the door, it's been coming each of the past two days. And Soda's like, wait, when you mean when you said you hadn't seen it? He goes, yeah, I lied. So the door suddenly opens and footsteps come in, but there's nobody there, of course. Uh, but as they listen to the sounds, Saburo's like, yeah, you can hear it. Wet, barefoot footsteps from a female spirit entering the room. Soda realizes that it's Yoko. Yoko. The woman who died, and she looms over him, and suddenly he can see her. He gets freaked out, and Sabra's like, "Hey, stop hiding. Look, look, look at her. She's trying to say something to you." And as they look at her, they can't really understand her, but they can see her mouth moving. And Sabra's like, "She's saying your name, Sota. For some reason, she's been looking for you." And so, Sota, you know, freaks out. He's trying to run away. He's trying to find some way out of the room, but the ball of the door is locked. Uh, and so it's like, hey well if you've got the camera to capture her spirit, do that you know help me And Sarah says it's still too early for that. You're hiding something and it's odd because you said you had barely spoken to her but you said she was a kind person not she seemed like a kind person she was a kind person which means you knew her. So why did you lie and why are you so afraid of her? And Sota says, because she must hate me, and he he confesses that on that day, Yoko wasn't committing suicide. He was contemplating committing suicide. And we basically get this full flashback of how Sota had all the trouble at school. He was getting bullied. Yoko was comforting him, and, you know, he told her, hey, don't tell people I've been bullied and beaten up. And so she agreed to keep the secret. They made a pinky promise. But, of course, the torment continued. So he went on to the balcony. He was contemplating committing suicide. And so Yoko spotted him from her own balcony. She said, don't, don't do it here. I'll go over to you. Let's talk about this. And while she was trying to make her way from her balcony over to his, of course it was raining. So she slipped and she fell to her death. And that's why Yoko died and Sota didn't. And so now Sota in the present basically blames himself for her death for all that happened. Yoko's spirit bears down on sota and gives him a hug and she speaks and now sota can understand her and she just says i'm glad that you're alive and she assures him that it wasn't his fault and she says remember you're not alone and remember to live and smile because nothing good comes from dying please don't think about taking your life anymore and sota promises her and he says i promise for real this time and then sabro comes up while well, they're embracing he says can I take a picture? And he's got this big old this little smile on his face, this pleasant little smile. And he suddenly doesn't look nearly as creepy anymore. And he takes a picture of the two of them and they're making a pinky promise. And the picture, uh, he's, he's taking the picture and then he sets the picture on fire. And as he does, it turns into a butterfly and he says, the butterfly has this shape that a soul takes when it leaves the body and so does the spirit pass on and he says a narration afterwards that Saburo disappeared after that and he basically made up his mind to basically start over after that transfer schools away from the fucking assholes who have been bullying him and all that stuff and uh, Saburo left him a copy of the picture although it doesn't have uh, Yoko's spirit in it but it's still of course a tremendous treasure to her and uh Afterwards, Saburo like, hey, you know, I'm not an exorcist. I'm a photographer. And that's it. We just kind of get this like, you know, reiteration of the premise, basically. It's a very sweet little story, I think. And uh, like I said, kind of a mix between, you know, photography and, you know, spirit exorcism stuff uh, that we've been seeing a lot of lately. But this is a nice little twist on it. And I really do like the little story that's told with Sota and Yoko. So.
1: Yep, it's it's very sweet. There's a part of me that's that's unjustly kind of negative on it. Kind of like uh once you watch enough M Night Shyamalan movies, you're just like, <laughs> "All right, man, what's the twist?" You're always going to do one. And in my mind, like The Promised Everland still so much on my head that I'm just like, "How would you mess this up? Why would right. why would he need to start using guns?" Like that's what I'm trying to think about.
0: When is he going to reveal he's got baby memories? Like <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, that was the problem with Promise. Uh, that's,
1: that's the best thing about Promise
0: Island. He's like, he's got baby memories. All right, I'm on board now.
1: <laughs> uh, all right, Nick. So we're going to talk about Eden Zero, two chapters. Start with uh, Eden Zero, chapter 106, Prayer Council. And uh, we open with Xiaomei. And i apologize, guys, again, because I'm sick. My voice might, like, falter after a bit of, like, prolonged talking. So I might rush through a couple things. Uh, so uh, my apologies in advance. But Zhao opens things up by reiterating, "I'm the narrator of this tale. Here's what happened because I guess the little Grand Bell adventure kind of suffer like works as like a small miniature arc. So here's everything recapping it, yeah. and basically like and now on to the new adventure in the Owl Cosmos, uh, the cosmos where everything is surrounded by water and there are fish literally swimming through the sky. Everything is fish. Yeah. Yes." So they basically, the characters are reacting to the fact that they're there, like, wow, this is really crazy. Rebecca thinks about how that's how they first met um, Connor way back in the day, was he was drifting through a, a, a school of fish from another cosmos. Uh, Jin shows up and is like, yep, this is the Owl Cosmos. And everyone's like, Jin. He's like, I don't like you guys. I'm only here out of necessity. And then he leaves. And you're like, alright. That was a conversation, I guess. Uh, Shiki's like, huh, but I thought I made friends with him, didn't I? And everyone's like,
0: oh. <laughs> it is actually a great moment where he's just like, wait a minute, but I made friends with him. He can't act that
1: way. <laughs> um, there's a moment of just like, huh, what are we going to do here? Uh, which takes off her helmet and says like, hey, you know what? My sole objective is to get us to outer space. I didn't know where we'd emerge and all of our memories aren't lost. The Eden Zero's log recorded outer space travel is entirely erased as well. So from here on in, we're in unknown territory and Hermit's like, I think I might be able to fix some of that. I don't know of any way to restore memories, but I might be able to fix the log. So, there you go. And they also note, like, hey, it's kind of interesting. We, I guess she already started repairing it a little bit. And she's like, yeah, like fifteen years ago, we went from the soccer cosmos to the owl cosmos, just like we're doing now. So we maybe we're unconsciously dun, dun, dun. taking the same route. Yeah. So they're like, we're headed to the fire planet, red cave. And Moskoy just
0: says... This is such a weird twist that comes from from this. It's like, we're going to the fire planet. It is not a fire planet. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Uh, So, which is like, fire planet, and Moskoy says, fire Moskoy. So, you know, we're keeping the the greatest hits going. That's what I'm thinking. And uh, then there's something else. Uh, Hermit finds something in the log for Poseidon Nero, who's one of the... (laughs) Fuck, I forgot about this part. All right, so Poseidon Zero, Poseidon Nero is one of the Oration Six, the same group that Elsie and Dracojo belong to. Yes. Mind you, they are not an actual group the same way previous Oration Six uh, groups in, in Hero Series were. This is essentially like the Emperors, a, a term given to these six people, a very pronounced, important in, in space. And they're called the Oration Six Galactica. Yes. So they talk about Nero a little bit, and they say he's an emperor. He has absolute authority here. We see a silhouette of him, and he almost kind of looks like he has one of those like squid heads, like he has like little, almost like little tentacle tendrils where his hair would be. So they're like, "Wow, this guy is really powerful. Sounds like a guy we shouldn't mess with." Because unlike Drack and Joe, who worked in the seek like in the shadows, Nero is just an emperor. He just leads
0: everything here. By the way, I love the name Poseidon Nero. (laughs) It's a great name. This is my new character, Hades Caesar. (laughs) Uh, So
1: they're like, hey, I guess we'll have to watch out for him. I don't know. Maybe he'll be friendly like Elsie or he'll be bad like Track and Joe. And we're just like, who cares? Let's go. So they're like, all right, well, we'll find out information on the red plant. Then we cut over to that big ship with, uh, not Jalal, and his two friends... just s- ...stupid and what's-his-name, and they're like, grrrr, and then they get sent away by some angry dude on a telecom, and they're <laughs> like, hold on, we have to have a-, a prayer council. And then, like, six screens pop up, or I guess five screens, and... A bunch of characters start talking and they're like, yes, you know, we we we, we'll we'll go after Elsie at some point, but that's Nero's territory, so we'll have to deal with that. Us, those who exist to fight the Erasion Six Galactica. We are the Erasion Six Interstellar! And I'm like, this is the dumbest thing in the world. (laughs) You you separated these two groups by one word that are very interchangeable. Fuck, I just hope this is like the NWO, like there's the Erasion 6 Latin, the Erasion 6 Wolfpack, classic Erasion 6, and they're all different groups.
0: Oh my god.
1: And we see all the different designs, so there's uh, some kind of robot-looking guy named Cure, there was the guy who was the leader of the other, like the leader, I guess, of the military called Jaguar, Uh, some kind of sexy lady called Holy... Some kind of other sexy lady who's a lot more quiet called Feather. Uh then Not Gerard himself justice. And then another Not Gerard. This is what this time with the correct hair color called Eraser. So <laughs> we'll have two of those now. <laughs> and they are a real group, by the way. This isn't a name given to these people on have this is an actual group who then hunts a group that was just given the title collectively. So um there's a small moment of someone being like oh you you're just worried justice because you're gonna have to go out of your precious elsie and he's like no i will arrest her in the name of the Erasion six interstellar that woman took everything for me and his hair literally just turns into gerard's hair and even gets like a little marking over one eye so there you go he promises to kill her with his own two hands and then they go yep. to pray uh, and that's pretty much the end of that chapter the rest of the group uh, lands on the red cave
0: yeah it's, it's not important
1: yeah, so then we'll talk about uh chapter 107 A Planet Where Stars Fall Like Rain. Uh so it's beach the- <laughs> episode. Yeah, it's the red planet, uh, uh the fire planet, Red Cave. Uh but it's just actually a beach planet. And there's a bunch of stupid jokes uh because Weiss is like you guys have to know what the beaches are about and everyone does like their character thing and then he's like no, it's to rub sunscreen on sexy ladies. And which is just like, well, we don't actually need sunscreen because, because you know we, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> we could actually just change our our the color of our skin and give ourselves a tan instantly if we really wanted to. Um, then Hermit's butt asks, "How is this a fire planet?" Like, legitimately, the speech bubbles arrow is pointed at her butt, so her butt can consciously ask questions, and asked, "How is this a fire planet?" Um. And they don't have an answer. They're like, I don't know, temperature's high. But, you know, doesn't really matter, I guess. It's really just great temperature water planet. Everybody has a bunch of beach adventures. Clean comes out. She has beach adventures, too. Uh, a bunch of light ether falls from the sky. And they're like, oh, wow, it's like raining shun signs. A very beautiful sight. Waste yep. just stares but at best, Morris part.
0: Best part of the chapter is uh-huh. the uh, two page spread of the sparkly ocean. It's very pretty.
1: Yeah uh cheeky's like hey you want to go up there and see it don't you and she's like you could just take my b cube he's like nope it would only make sense if you saw it yourself so they jump into the air and they, uh, they share a nice little moment where she films the the falling uh light ether with her little b cube and she's like wow this is beautiful then a ship crashes and they're like well let's go check it out we have these devices that let people breathe underwater <laughs> Um, I, I I wish I could act as though I'm speeding through this, but that's basically how it's quickly introduced, uh, in the same panel as the ship falls. (laughs) They're like, well, we brought these things, let us explore underwater. Um, there is a cute moment where Pino wears one despite being a robot because she wants to feel more like a person. And that's a little cute. Um, they go underwater, they're swimming around, there's a joke about lobsters being like bugs and that freaks out cheeky. Um then they find the ship
0: turns out it's basically speciesist because it's not the way the fact that they're creepy crawly that freaks him out it's just literally the the fact that they fall within the insect kingdom Mm -hmm. that bothers him so (laughs) there
1: you go uh they find the pod and there's a dead guy in it and she's like no (laughs) my
0: friend Actually, other best part of the chapter, because he sees this skeleton and he's like, no, we were too late. <laughs> it's like, no, he's been dead a long time. She it's,
1: it's it's almost weird because it almost should be a joke, but it's not. Where you're just like, why does he think he just missed saving this person's life? <laughs> um, but they're like, and this is so weird. I assume we'll find out why this ship crash landed, because it ultimately serves no purpose in this chapter, except for the characters be like, hey, you see that city under there? <laughs> <laughs> they're basically go, like, oh, wow, look at this, an underwater sea, this is crazy um, so there's a city under the sea, so they, they're gonna go explore it, and they see that there's a temple that looks like it has a, uh, a, a, a mural, what, carving, I don't know what the word for it would be, a little image uh, that looks kind of like Mother on it, so, hey, they found something down yeah. there
0: yeah, um I'm kind of glad that we've covered those two chapters together, because, uh not a lot happened in either of them. So. No. Although it isn't good to know that the real Erasion Sace is alive and well, so
1: <laughs> there had to be to it's it's the fact that they have such similar names that bothers me. Why is one group the Erasion Six Galactica and the other group is the Erasion Six Interstellar? It's such a weird. It's very comic booky, where you're like. The only reason it exists is if you have the built in nostalgia for the Euration Six groups, the others, because there's still no reason why these groups are called the Euration Six. They just are.
0: It would be like if, uh, in One Piece, if the Navy had a group of elites specifically designed to oppose the Four Emperors, and they were called the Quad Emperors or something like yeah. that. This <laughs> is something like absurdly similar to it.
1: The four, four leaders, and you're like, that's very similar to the four emperors,
0: the four czars. Well, now you're just really pushing this. <laughs> the four imperials. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> now it's now it's now we can get the copyright. All right. Uh, okay. Are we on ch- Chainsaw, Chainsaw Man? Chainsaw Man. Man. So, phew, chapter eighty-one. Paw. Last time. Makima brought Denji to her apartment and asked him what he wanted his reward for killing the gun devil to be. Which, he didn't kill the gun devil but he killed the offshoot of the gun devil. So, okay. And he told her he wanted to be Makima's dog. To which she reacts with a little bit of surprise and she's like, okay, what do you mean by that? And basically, this is heavy. Denji essentially says that He's had a lot of really hard shit to have to think about and deal with while he's been, you know, part of this team and this mission. And it's tiring and it hurts to think about. And he doesn't want to have to deal with that anymore because at first he just had to think about, well, I didn't, you know, have to die. But now I've got all these other things to think about. When I, you know, killed Aki, the only reason I did it was because there were all these other people that would have died if I didn't stop him. And I, I figured that I had to do it. But then after I had time to think about it, I realized there might have been a better way. And maybe he only died because I'm stupid. And, you know, maybe I wouldn't feel this bad if I'd never become friends with him in the first place. And I don't want to have to think about this because it's all I can think about from day, the moment I fall wake up until the moment I fall asleep. And it's like, oh, yeah, man, that's, um, yeah, you're, you're learning what being an adult is like, I'm afraid. Yeah, it kind of sucks. And it's not something you should have to deal with while you're, you know, possessed by a devil and trying to kill other devils. So, <laughs> so he just says to Denji, you know, why don't I just leave the thinking to you and um, then I won't have to think or feel like this. And so Makima pauses for a moment, and says, you're serious? And Denji doesn't say anything in response. He just like, Yeah, deuces. <laughs> We're just like, Are you sure you're that you're actually mentally drained, Denji? You seem very calm and mellow all of a sudden. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you do it. Alright? I mean, you you sure you want to do this? Because you will you all my dogs obey me with complete obedience. It's like, That's yeah, fine, man, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I'll do that. So She starts basically treating him like a dog, you know, having him present his paw, having him roll over and stuff like that. And she's like, Oh, what a smart dog you are, Denji. And Denji starts to feel a piece. He's like, yes, this, this is my right answer. And then the doorbell rings and, uh, Makima says, Oh yeah, she's here. I called power over. So she has Denji stand up and Denji's like, why'd you, why'd you call power over? And Makima says, Dogs mustn't think. And so Denji's like, good yeah, woof. So she takes his hand and says, Come on, let's go get her. You open the door. Because I'm going to kill her. And then she goes, Woof. Huh? Like, he's really, really trying to turn his brain off, but this seems very important, so he's trying having a hard time doing that. We get a two-page spread just of makiba leading denji to the door because this is what we call building tension <laughs> literally as soon as she said i'm gonna kill power i have to go through the next several pages going oh my god is power going to die and this giant fucking two-page spread is, ma- is making me go god damn it <laughs>
1: <laughs> plus i mean you come into somebody's house and they have that painting you have to recognize they're probably pretty evil right
0: <laughs> also check out her shoe her shoe shelf it's really yeah. nice yeah also, there, is a, um, there are things on that shoe shelf that I don't recognize. Is that a candle holder? Is that a radio? I don't know. Also, she's got a mini cactus. She's got a couple of mini cactuses.
1: Yeah, well, one of them's a lit roller. As someone who owns a dog, uh, dog hair is fucking everywhere. So oh, lit
0: roller okay. should, should
1: probably get one of those myself.
0: Also, appears there is a the candle holder potentially there too. Yeah.
1: Anyway. We're just delaying as much time as possible so we don't have to open the door of the next page. Like, ah, oh, it's kind of cool. I wonder how she uh, waters it. You know, um, you know, I, is that is that a sequoia? Is that a thing? She's got she's got an umbrella holder with two umbrellas in it. Why does she need two umbrellas? She lives yeah. alone. I didn't think you could have a shelf just for boots. I guess it would have to be a bigger shelf than the rest. You must yeah, have had to have, have, to have to that be. custom ordered. Or maybe, you know what? I don't know a lot about women's shoes. Maybe they make shelves just for the the like the boot size women's shoes, you know? That would be interesting.
0: Get another look at what I thought was a candle holder. It's uh it's narrower from the front, so maybe that's actually uh her Wi Fi station.
1: Oh, mm-hmm. that could be. That could be. I wonder what she watches. Do you think she watches Umbrella Academy? You know, I wonder what her tastes. Umbrellas. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Just anything to not make it so we have to open
0: that door. This is actually what it is. It's actually the opening to an Umbrella Academy episode. because that's (laughs) The umbrella there is going to be the umbrella in the opening. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Makima leads Denji to the door. As Denji gets more and more confused and hesitant. He's like, what? What did you say? Were you joking? What? Ms. Makima? And she just says, go on, Denji. And then Hmm. Denji... At the same time as he gets that image in his head of the person behind the door saying, don't open it. She drowns it out saying, open it. You be the one to open it. And she still has things. So she pulls his head in and kind of whispers in his ear and says, you don't have to think about a thing. Trust me. So he looks at the door handle and he reaches for the door handle and he thinks to himself, when I open the door. Power's going to be there, smiling. She'll pull out a party popper, and she'll be holding a cake, and... Wait, why does she she have a cake? Oh, right, because tomorrow's my birthday. And he opens the door, and Power's standing there, with her jacket kind of half off one shoulder. She's got a cake that says, Happy 17th birthday, Denji. And they start to greet each other. And Makima use case of power. She literally holds her hand out like a gun and goes bang. And power's torso explodes. The,
1: the now, ruthless thing is the shot on the next page where you just see her feet and then her head. And you're like, oh, that's a pretty gruesome way of showing how much of her is left.
0: Now, here's the thing. She still might not be dead because she is power, but this looks bad. And they did say that Denji was going to be responsible for Aki and power's deaths. So, uh uh-oh. So Denji looks at Makima and he looks down at power's body, looks at Makima and Makima's like, Oh, your hands are cold again. You poor thing. Should we go back inside? And Denji is clearly in shock and just, doesn't seem to know how to react as we end the chapter and power is seemingly dead. I, Yay! Really, I
1: really want, like, there should be a small panel of the future devil on, like, a street corner away going, The future rules! The <laughs> future rules! And I'm like, I fucking hate you, future devil!
0: <laughs> We're gonna get, like, what if we get just, like, a devil man ending and, like, the entire world goes under everyone's dead Except the future devil is still floating around, going "The future rules." <laughs> future rules. <laughs> it's like, "Fuck you, future devil." <laughs> I hate you so much. Huh. Uh. So, I put up on on my Twitter. Uh, when I read this chapter, uh, just, just the words I actually gasped because. Yeah, like, when I was reading this, I was kind of reading it, you know, like this, you know, like, eyes wide, hands in front of the mouth, like, oh my god, are they really gonna do this? And then they did it, and I was like, oh! So...
1: It's such a ruthless way of doing it, too, man, but it's, it's great.
0: Like, Aki had the whole big tragic death. You know, the first death was, you know, it just kind of happened, and we didn't even notice really when it happened. But then... He died by Kazami's hands after all the build up, and there was the snowball fight thing going on, and Denji was crying, and I was just like, "Yeah, Power's dead," and Denji's kind of in shock, and that's it. Uh, which it does make me hesitate to say, it was "Like, well, maybe Power's not dead yet because this seems like an incredibly sudden way of doing it." But hey, it was a big shock when I read it, so credit there. Absolutely, very good chapter. And we're on bone collection next, aren't we,
1: Nick? Bone
0: collection oh, is canceled. Final chapter. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone clap. <laughs> Everyone,
1: congratulations! Bone collection.
0: <laughs> I want to live with you. Is our chapter title. This is a weird chapter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. Don't you dare say anything about it other than it's perfect. It's this, manga, this manga died as it lived,
0: rolling across the street at a dumpster on fire, just shooting guns into the air. <laughs> last time, as the last part of a string of bone attacks that Kazami and Pyro were using, Byra had Kazami produce the bone wedding because she wants to get married to Kazami and as part of the wedding uh the QB's is gonna just die <laughs> it's just, it's just kind of like it's kind of like the undercard you know it's like you are you know it's like you know at 6 you know Kazami and Pyro's wedding at 6 at 630 Q, the QB's death at 632 the after party of the <laughs> wedding <laughs> so the giant skeletal priest thing is conducting you know it's Having them go through their their vows and you know saying, "Hey, Kazami Junai, do you take Pyra to be your wife?" Blah 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 blah. You may now kiss the bride. And Kazami's like, "Oh, wait, wait, hold on, what's go? What what is happening?" And um, he apparently didn't recognize Pyra, despite her being addressed as Pyra multiple times, um, because you know she's almost human now. Uh-huh. Uh, everyone who has been summoned from various places is somehow less confused by Kazami (laughs) than Kazami, because they're like, I was just drinking at home. How did I get here? Uh, Reno's in like her nightgown and she's like, I was going to bed. (laughs) The best one is the girl, though. The glasses girl. Uh, The glasses girl who was introduced very ominously. Uh, several chapters ago, the fact that she was visiting the yokai prison island seemed like she was going to be a big deal. Uh, She says, I'm an old ruins otaku and was looking forward to touring yokai prison island, but the boat was canceled. The island was (laughs) locked down and now I'm here. And Kazami's Thought to sum this all up is, isn't that super depressing? Yeah, I think I'd be depressed too if it seemed like I was going to be important. And then it was just like, no, I didn't have time to go through that story, so she was there for no reason, basically.
1: Yeah, I don't have time to tell this story, so you get a one panel <laughs> explanation of your character at the very end.
0: The priest tells everyone to shut up, or else he'll kill, he'll make everyone who distrusts the ceremony die a thousand deaths. He says, there's no escape here until the marriage ceremony is complete and QB's executed. The QB's like, no! Of course. Um, the priest says, in order to end the ceremony, you must kiss Pyra as a symbol of your vow, to which Kazami gets all flustered, and everyone, you know, behind him. Is like, you can do it, including the samurai guy who, like, didn't even know who these two were until now, but apparently he's he ships it. So He, he loves love, Nick. It's the most samurai thing. <laughs> samurais love. are all about love, you know? It's like, it'll be so great when that samurai kisses that other samurai, the way that samurai do.
1: Well, I th- I, I don't know if he used the word kiss. It'll be great when that samurai samurais that samurai. <laughs> like, he's
0: just a smurf. Yeah. <laughs> Reno is, quote, the lone dissenter, because, of course, she's upset because she was jealous of Pyre because she had a thing for Kazami, probably. But she doesn't say that she's upset or anything. She just kind of goes, sniff. I'm feeling frustrated. Aren't we all? So Kazami's like, hey, come on, I can't do this all of a sudden. And then Pyre you know, looks upset for a minute. And is like, well, do you not want to? Um, Kazami flashes back to his uh little friend, uh, pardon me, his kappa friend that got executed because you know bad reasons beforehand. And uh, the kappa's just like, "Aren't you? Don't you hate me? Aren't you scared of me? Why are you being so nice?" And Kazami was just like, "You ask too many questions. Like, I don't hate you. I don't fear you because you're my friend." And the kappa said, "Well, don't change, Kazami. Keep using that spell. And I can tell one day." you'll be the one who will bridge the gap between yokai and humans, because this is the way the children think, Chris. is <laughs> in <into> these long-term <laughs> political terms.
1: They're like, one day you'll be the one to end species injustice throughout Japan.
0: Um, Kazami lifts up Pyra's veil, vale, and then he says, I guess I don't mind. And we get a shot of all the onlookers, and it's a weird shot because so reno is like covering her eyes but also peeking through them which don't really get how that fits her character
1: i don't think that's reno that's the boy uh akachan's boy person or whatever
0: well but uh she's wearing the nightgown that we i think saw that's just in.
1: what the i think it's just what the boy of that group wears
0: so Akifuyu is also there and oh wait got... no he
1: doesn't show up until later so i guess yeah yep. i guess that yeah, I guess that is her, huh?
0: And Akifuyu is like trying to cover the twins eyes, but she's doing a bad job of it. And then there is Beichan, who apparently is sickened by the thought of them kissing because he's going Ooh. so very odd. And then he's like, how about I kiss you on the forehead instead of kissing your lips? And he goes on this whole thing of like,
1: oh, it should be really important. I don't want to, you know,
0: I, I feel
1: like we should get to know each other first. Maybe. Oh,
0: And Amelia, everyone's like, fuck you. Kazami, you suck. Uh, <laughs> oh, they say that in the last chapter. <laughs> you suck Kazami. Credits. <laughs> so he's like, look, I do like you, even though I end up getting pushed around being around you, but, you know, it's I have fun with you, so as a sign of our friendship, <clears throat> here's a kiss on the forehead, and Pyra is like, no, you're not fucking friendship zoning me, you little pussy, and she tells her head up so that they kiss on the lips instead. And she says, I'm, I'm not expecting you to be manly, that's not why I fell in love with you, but I'm going to grow into the type of woman that you'd want to kiss, you idiot. Because we get to blush because he's like oh she likes me i guess so nothing happens for a second and then the qb is like ha it's because he didn't kiss her it's too bad oh you're all gonna die Ha-ha. and uh pyra says no actually that was just a lie to get kazami to kiss me this is a great gonna be a great marriage chris you know uh-huh. uh, all signs of affection are going to be based on trickery and uh Lack of trust, so I'm sure that they'll make it. Yep. But then Pyra says, I'll show you the true power of this bone. The true way to defeat Qb." And Kazami's wedding band starts to glow. And then all of a sudden the lights go out. And when they come back on, they're in a big old dining hall. And Pyra says, the way to defeat Qb is by enjoying the party. <laughs>
1: There's a special hell in the world that I get. I, like, I feel like I'm there when I get to the bottom of the page, and it's just all the characters' faces going, ha 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 ha. ha. Like, I'm just like, there's something
0: so unnerving, uncomfortable about it. It's very off putting. So. I guess the priest has taken the form of just a host now. He's just a skeleton in a suit. I'm going to tell you something, Chris. If this skeleton host guy had just been our hero from the beginning, would have liked this story much more. Just, yeah. You know, a skeleton in a suit. I'll follow that guy to the ends of the earth. They begin the reception and pirate just goes sideshow gorilla, a.k.a. Akifuyu, dominatrix Reno, dance. They awkwardly dance. And then they go, cake cutting! And so Pyra and Kazami do the cutting of the wedding cake. And Shishino's like, a samurai sword! Because, yes, they're cutting it with a katana, which doesn't seem like a very good thing to be cutting a no. cake with. Memories of Kazami and me! They've got a slideshow. Cry! <laughs> she, she, she declares cry. And yes, as you pointed out before, Chris, there is just everyone's head to the bottom, quote-unquote, having a good time. You can tell that they're having a good time because their faces are demented in a way and that the sound effects, ha 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 come out of their mouths.
1: Especially all these characters who don't generally like have fun, like the samurai being there. And you're like, I don't think he's, you know, he ever laughed?
0: Is that his character trait? I don't know. Maybe they told a great samurai joke. And then they're like, I summon more guests. That's right. Everyone who's been in the series show up now. And uh, Kazami's family shows up. The three kids that they sent back to their abusive parents show up. Uh, Milk Boy shows up. So it was all worth it. Milk Boy is here. Hey,
1: Milk Boy's going to be here. I can probably get on board then.
0: And then, all this is happening and they're all making ha 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 sound effects, QB is still watching things in the priest's grasp. And he's like, What is going on? Yokai and humans having fun together? And the priest is like, are you jealous? You can't participate. And apparently he's very upset about this. As no! I believe he's dragged off into the darkness and killed. I think that's what happens here. Presumably. Uh, we get a big uh, full page spread of everyone celebrating together. And it is kind of nice. It's the best that art has looked in weeks. I think just this one little shot of everyone having a good time. And then we get... A time skip. Five years later. <laughs> Such a weird detail. So there's some kids arguing on a bus. And Pyra comes up to them. And her hair is still like partially white and partially black. And she's like, no fighting. That's the rule of the bone bus. I'll <laughs> the bone bus. Beep, meep <laughs> So bus. So the kids try and be bratty to her, so she just lifts them up by their noses. Um, and uh, then Kazami calls back to Pyra while he's driving the bone bus, and he says, "Hey, the parents will complain again if you abuse their children." And Pyra's is like, "But I hate the little brats. Then why do you do tours for children if you hate them?" So we get an explanation for what has happened in the past five years as Pyra makes all kissy faces at Kazami and causes the bus to nearly crash, that the yokai prison island was replaced by a terminal that connects the yokai and human worlds. Akifuyu was the main architect. She exposed the world to all the unjust research and evil committed by exorcists against the yokai. Yes, we're just fully acknowledging that that was a thing now. It was something that was alluded to, but was never actually brought into proper focus because there wasn't enough time to do so. But yeah, they did some messed up stuff, and we're actually acknowledging that now, as opposed to just kind of like putting it there, but not having any characters observe that it was happening distrust toward exorcists and the treatment of yokai quickly became big social issues in order to prove that yokai and humans can live peacefully together. We made many media appearances as a couple. And we see Kazami there with Pyra and Pyra is like, we're totally in love. And Kazami looks uncomfortable because they're definitely not in love because their relationship is built on lies, which means it's very healthy. In the beginning, we received a lot of criticism and we see that they got like thousands of dislikes on social media. It's like, what? wrong with people <laughs> I don't like these people being in love
1: I, I like assholes? I like it as a criticism of the series to like at the start nobody really liked us but look where we are now ma
0: look where we oh. are now It would be very bitter if that was the case so we see, we see that you know at the beginning we receive criticism but thanks to Pyra the younger generation that's right all the zoomers will save bone collection, (laughs) came to realize that yokai can actually be cute. So yokai became more accepted. Oh, well, if they're physically attractive, then they've got to be okay then. Uh uh Because of these things, the exorcist federation became smaller and the samurai was forced into part-time jobs. (laughs) This this (laughs) confuses me so much
1: because two panels later, Reno becomes a member of the four exorcist king. But apparently they're like, we're downsizing. So there really can only be two Exorcist Kings. I can fool you in, oh, guess what? Someone else, we're gonna kick you to the curb, Samurai guy. He's just like, what about my 401 Samurai K
0: plan? (laughs) Like, yeah, sorry, man. As for Rito, (laughs) she became one of the four Exorcist Kings, and she keeps sending me aggressive messages over the line app. After a while... I started ignoring the red messages. <laughs> He's just ignoring his friend. She's being so annoying. She's trying to keep in contact with you. I guess you just decided you didn't like her. Okay. But It was probably
1: Pyra. Like, you're not still talking to that Reno girl, are you?
0: You know she had a thing for you, right? Don't talk to her anymore. Yeah. Jeez. I started working in the exorcist tourism department and Pyro and I run a yokai viewing tour for kids. So we catch up with the present. Pyro k- calls out a bunch of small yokai for the kids to observe and play with and stuff, but there's a little girl who's scared, and so Xami narrates not everyone has accepted the yokai, but I'm going to help everyone with my yokai spell. And he's like, look, we can exploit them for resources. <laughs> Aren't they great? (laughs) But then he says, there's no difference between yokai and humans. Now let's play dodgeball. And all the little yokai and the kids play dodgeball together. And Kazami's observing them, and he starts crying. He's like, I'm really happy. And then Pyra snuggles him, and he's like, oh, no, the kids are watching. And she says, that's why I fell head over heels for you. It's because he's sensitive.
1: I feel like playing dodgeball with a volleyball wouldn't be very fun. It would hurt,
0: dude. It would
1: hurt, and volleyballs aren't that like they don't have the aerodynamics you really like. You'd have to either be really strong, or you just have to accept that this is not going to follow the flow very well. So I think they're very bad tourists. Yeah. uh, If they only brought a a volleyball to play dodgeball, but then just didn't play volleyball, like you have a volleyball, you clearly have enough players. Just play volleyball. Nick
0: this, is a great <laughs> Nick, this is a great and series.
1: Nick, this is a great series. That's the end of
0: phone collection.
1: <laughs> it's a great series. This is perfect. Congratulations, phone collection. You've moved on to the next realm. And Nick, I just want to know: was this worth using the veto on? No. Okay, guys, you heard that. So. You all need to find a way. You You don't don't get get a... You guys need to find a way that I can earn another veto. Because clearly, I got the touch for just the hottest of trash. So this is on you guys now.
0: (laughs) Get me that next money in the bank. You've got the touch. You've got the power. When all hell's breaking loose, you'll be right in the eye of the storm. Because you summoned (laughs) that storm, Chris!
1: (laughs) I'm going to be like Edge, where I just get like six fucking, uh, money in the banks, and I'm like, yeah, I crashed every one of them!
0: Sometimes I take them because Ken Kennedy sucks penises! Basically, yes. Oh. Done with bone collection. Never have to worry about that again. Burn the witch! (laughs) So! (laughs) Ah! Bone collection is over. Burn the witch is just beginning. (laughs) But! Oh, Chris! It's only got to be four chapters. Four chapters. That's it. I can get through four chapters. I can do this. So people kind of observed that the one shot is kind of chapter one of burn the witch, but it just kind of like introduced the world. Nothing really happened in it. And chapter one, in a way, kind of rehashes stuff that happened in chapter one and uh, the one shot anyway. So let's just get into this. It's Burn the Witch, chapter number one. Witches blow a new pipe! <laughs> I love Kubo. It's,
1: it's so much more digestible when you're only getting it for like a short chunk and you're just like, yes. Yes, witches blow a new pipe. Yes!
0: Instead of like looking up and seeing this avalanche. That's going to descend on you. It's like, no, I can I can I can handle a little bit of an ice flow. It's it's uh-huh. fine. I can see the end of it. I will I'll, I'll endure it. It'll be okay. I don't have to worry about being buried under this. So. <laughs> Ninny, the deuteragonist of the series, is uh, who we followed at the beginning of this chapter, talking about why fairy tales are bullshit, Chris. Fairy tales are full of it girl gets hit by a magic spell, turns into a princess, gets to wear a pretty dress, gets to make believe she's picking out some hot guy, but ends up getting chosen herself instead, and the magic disappears partway through to boot. Isn't that just the worst? But everyone says they want to be the princess. Are they for real? They know the spell's going to wear off in the middle of things, right? You broke a promise, so oh well. Time's up, so you're out of luck? Think again. You're all a bunch of idiots. None of you have any idea why the spell actually wears off. If idiots are the only ones who get bewitched, I'd rather be the one casting the spell. Oh, she's the, she's not like most girls, Chris. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so uh, I recently was playing a gacha game called Senoalus, uh, which is... uh, uh has some involvement with it. I don't know if you know who that is, <laughs> but he does uh, Near Automata. And uh, basically, uh, the story was made by a bunch of people who love his stuff, and they created this game that's basically like what if every fucking character from fairy tale were evil because it's really not hard to twist most of them into being evil you kind of just have them murder everyone in their story and then you put a bunch of critiques and i've like after playing that game i I stopped uh because it wasn't actually that very good of a game but after that i've become so od'd on like hey man what if we critique fairy tales i'm like yes i we get it they're not
0: there's a lot of bad messages in fairy tales. <laughs> they were made hundreds of years ago to teach, you know, children to not do certain things. So
1: a lot of them do reinforce a bad message. Like it, it is. Do. Like, yeah, like when you listen to Cinderella and you're like, "Oh, this really is a story about how being beautiful is the only way you're really going to get ahead in this world, right?" But um most of them By the way,
0: It does seem as though Nini doesn't have a problem with fairy tales. She just does. She just has a problem with Cinderella because that's what she's talking about for 90% of this rant. Yeah. So (laughs) Uh, So while she is mentally ranting to herself, some guys are like, that girl's hot. And they're like. Trying to chase after her as she runs in order to, you know, go down the magic uh, phone booth thing in order to go to uh, reverse London. And uh, then we get our big ass title page, which has no background. Good job, Kubo. Uh, And then we cut over to. Oh, gosh, it's another end name. It's Noel. It's Noel. That was right. So she's chasing after this dragon deer thing. And uh, she casts keto. It's keto. Uh Like, it just is. (laughs) Um, And right as she catches up with the deer dragon thing, another dragon thing, but it has like a boar body and it's really big, comes and it's got like talons and stuff, comes out of the forest. So she has to shoot that with some other keto and chase it off. And then Nini shows up and she casts some other Keto in order to catch it. And then she's like, hey, isn't that a bad buck? That's an A-rank harvest. What were you going to do if I hadn't made it here in time? And they start arguing over currencies that they're earning because this is actually a video game that Kubo's trying to pitch. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh Where it, you can earn both uh, money and also achievement points for doing stuff. And they don't say what the achievement points are for, but you can earn them. I mean, and, Nick, uh, if you put
1: achievement points at something, I'm going to get them. You can't tell me I'm not going to. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get it.
0: Uh, we find that Noelle is basically just interested in money, whereas Nini's not really interested in it. Uh, she's interested in the achievement points. But because we don't know what they're used for, I don't know why this distinction is important. Anyway... Then Balgo, the guy who caused trouble in the last chapter, is causing trouble again in this chapter as his dragon canine Osushi is flying around while he tries to hold on to it. He's dangling from its leash and stuff this is causing trouble. Nini and Noel see this and uh, Noel spots Balgo is smiling despite the fact that he's being dragged around by this flying puppy. And so they're like, eh, this doesn't seem too bad. Let's have some tea. Uh, but then at that moment, weird mustache guy shows up. The uh, ex chief, who I believe got fired last time. And then one shot. I don't I don't know. I started reading the one shot before we began. And I was like, eh. So <laughs> <laughs> me at the right call. Then uh, they try to ignore him over that. And they're just kind of like, you know, recapping stuff that happened to him and stuff like that. And they're like, look, we're not getting paid enough money or achievement points to watch Balgo 24-7, so whatever. And so the guy's like, oh, "No, no, well, I did the rounds to the stakeholders and got you guys approval for overtime and bonus achievements. And then they're like, OK, they finished their tea and they're like, OK, let's go. Uh, they fly off and Nini says to Noel, you're doing it for the money. I'm doing it for the achievements. Again, I don't know what the difference is. <laughs> what are achievement points for? But then Nini says, and if anybody asks, we're doing it for social justice. Right, right. You're you're greedy, but you have to pretend you're being good. I gotcha, gotcha. Um Bago, his dog is crashing into buildings and stuff. He apologizes to some guy, some ordinary citizen who is forbidden from interacting with dragons, as we are told by a very, very, very blunt and obtrusive third-person narrative. Uh, which just kind of explains how the world works in a very kind of clunky way because we just have to get through this because we got four chapters to tell this entire story. So the witches show up. They uh, snag Balgo and Otsushi and just kind of pull them down to uh, Earth. Noel calms down Otsushi, Otsushi until his wings retract. And Nida is like, hey. Nidhi's like, hey, what did you do to him anyway? And he's like, nothing, we just went on a walk. And then the citizen's like, hey, can you fix my window? It's broken. And Noelle jumps up to him specifically just to say, use dragon insurance to cover it. Um, and then she asks, hey, did you come in contact with the dragon? But uh, she has to do an exam with him. She holds out this kind of flip phone looking device uh, and says, lick this. As we get narration explaining that basically... His toxin levels will have been raised if he's in contact with this dragon. Because, yep. Uh, and we are told that if dragotoxin passes a certain threshold, someone will become a dragonclad, which is what Balgo is. Dragonclad are the only ones who can interact with dragons. But they're infected with the disease, and they have a strong tendency to b- attract dragons. Once they are infected that way, which is what happens because Noel is basically trying to figure out why the hell Osushi's wings sprouted. And she basically knows from um, the, his her experiences with him in the past, that there are only a few reasons why this would happen. One being if a dragon is closing in on him and a dragon closes in on Balgo and we get the best character in the chapter, Chris. <laughs> so a dragon looms up. He's got these big bug eyes uh, starts causing mayhem because he is a dragon and then he leans back and roars but the face he makes is very happy so he doesn't seem like he's going he just seems like he's going oh ah." look at that guy he's so happy so they set up barrier tape which takes the form of police tape basically Uh, and uh Noelle starts fighting the dragon. She knocks it into some buildings and stuff. Uh, she immediately gets in contact with a uh, base and is like, yeah, we subdued a dragon. Can I get that reward? And then she's like arguing with the guy over the damage that's been caused. She's like, no, 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 it's not. That's not that's not my fault. Stop complaining, please. It's not, you know. But then as she's arguing, the dragon's face slides off. And now it doesn't look so friendly, Chris. it uh, has got... Um, Eyes coming out of its neck meat, basically. And uh, it starts attacking them again. And Chris, wouldn't you know it? Once a large monster takes its face off, as if it were taking off a mask, it becomes more dangerous. Who would have possibly seen this coming from a Kubo series? So the dragon is attacking them with its tongue? I don't know, like something comes out of its neck stump, roughly where a tongue would be, and it's attacking them and stuff. It is a dark dragon instead of just a regular dragon. So they have the entire street blockaded off, a bunch of walls and fences and stuff get raised around the area. Uh, notification goes out that uh, there's a dark dragon in the premises, and uh, so Noel and uh, Ninny are going to have to deal with it. And uh they're like, let's go take this thing out, uh, because then he wants to get into Sabres, which is a special division that actually executes dragons as opposed to just kind of, you know, rounding them up. Uh, she flies off to attack it, and then we get more narration about how dragons work. They absorb negative emotions, uh, and transform into dark dragons intent on harming people. Definitely not like Hollows. Uh, and uh the only method of handling dark dragons is eradication, as opposed to regular dragons that they can, you know, corral and just kind of put away somewhere else. Noelle tells Baga to take Osushi and move to a safe place. She summons a really big spell to attack, but um, we immediately cut over to the Wingbird bird supreme <laughs> powers that be, top of horns, which is not an awkward thing to uh, call nope. your grip at all. Nope. <clears throat> bunch of people gather around a table, including Baz B. No,
1: Nick, his name's Bruno Bangknife. Come on, he's very different.
0: He's got the most normal name out of everyone gathered
1: there. (laughs) It's maybe my favorite thing that it starts with Bruno Bangknife, and then it goes to Roy B. Dipper, who says things. And then every other character is introduced by Bruno Bangknife just shouting over their portrait. No one else says a
0: goddamn thing. Bruno Bangknife just yells. There is a Santa looking dude named Tronbone Takinen. A dude in sunglasses blowing bubble gum named Harry Shake. Uh, a regal looking woman who is part of the liturgy corps, Sacred's, named (laughs) Chuntnire Mliev. Her name is C-Q-U-N-C-N-I-R-E, so that's great. There is an absent member of the group named Sakarin, and there's a Nazi named Sullivan Squire. (laughs) Yeah,
1: man... Someone really needs to tell Kuba that's not great imagery to call
0: upon. Especially in London, that seems mm. <laughs> a little distasteful. They are wearing an SS uniform. Their name has the initials SS, and just to make sure that you know it's not an accident, they have the lightning bolts for their name so that you know it's the Schutzsoffel. So yeah, he's a Nazi! Cool! <laughs> aren't Nazis cool looking? I'm just going to use them for like all the characters in my series because they think they look cool and, you know, it's a bad look, Kubo. Don't do it. So, they are talking about this catastrophe that's going on and eventually Bruno yells over everyone, this lowlife Balgo or whatever should never have been let loose to begin with. What do you think, old woofy? And... Baragon is there, and he's got—he <laughs> really is. Wolfgang Slashhaut
1: and he oh, that's says, the best name. It really, Slashhalt. it really, it warmed my soul. I've I've mentioned to people that I was like, look. Jujutsu Kaisen is basically Bleach. It's a lot of the same thing. All, so much of the combat is like, here's an incomprehensible person's ability going up against some other incomprehensible character's ability, and a bunch of chaos happens, it's very elaborate and very big, but the one thing it doesn't have is the names. And you don't realize how much the names are important to everything, until it's like,
0: we need the grand leader, Wolfgang Slash Houch! Joined by other members, Tronbone <laughs> Takinen and Kunt <laughs> <Tchent Nair-Midib. laughs> Um Also, for that matter, uh, one of the three most important characters in the series is named Balgo Ewane Parks, which is also pretty crazy. Old Wolfie, Wolfgang Slashout. Says this matter has also been raised in our core on countless occasions in the past month since it became Dragonclad. We cannot disregard the situation caused by our own inaction. We will commence proceedings to eliminate the Dragonclad Balgo Parks. So, yeah, apparently they've decided that Balgo is too dangerous to be allowed to live anymore, and so this presumably is going to be the conflict that Nini and Noel are going to have to deal with do they choose to go along with promotion and money and stuff with the organization that pays them? Or do they protect the person that Noel seems to be a little bit protective of?
1: So. Yeah. Uh, I don't really have too many thoughts on this series, honestly. Uh, it's four chapters long. And the first chapter is like, hey, remember this world you read about like a year ago? Well, yeah, You're really. going gonna to have to catch back up on it. And it's a, kind of interesting world but for me the chapter is more about like ah yes i remember kubo and his weird artwork and his his lack of backgrounds and his stupid character names uh, like all that stuff's kind of warm like a nice warm bath i'm getting into where you're just like ah yes weird nazi references in your series that you don't seem to have much of an idea about its execution excellent classic kubo mm and, uh, that's really kind of where it ends. I really don't, like, I have zero feelings on Ninny or Noel or mm-hmm. Balgo. Like, the world's kind of silly. I don't know why there are achievement points referred to as just thusly achievement points. But I'm excited for three more chapters because I know it will end and I will not feel any different. I feel like by the end, I'm still going to be like, oh, it was nice having Kubo back in the magazine, right?
0: thus far, it seems as though the best measure of this series is just going to be, yep, it's a Kubo series. Because you know what? People who liked Bleach are going to like this because it's a Kubo series. And it's got all that weirdness in it. And you know what? It's not going to last long enough for me to get sick of it. So, okay. Yeah. Let's move on then to talk a little bit about Maguchan God of Destruction. Chapter Eight, Magachan. By the way, seems to be doing okay uh, in terms of uh, reader response to it. It seems like, but it's uh, I'm sure it's a we'll little too.
1: So. I was gonna say it's a little too soon to tell. I think the very important thing is seeing when volume results came out because it ranked very high, but I believe Bone Collection did too its first time. So that might not mean a
0: ton if its volume sales aren't particularly great. Chapter Eight: A Scorcher of a Duel basically it's fucking hot and uh there's no ac in the in um in a uh, ruru's house uh there is a funny joke at the beginning because ruru is you know just sitting right in front of a fan trying to cool off and she's like magu how can you not be hot and magu's like i am a superior being i am impervious to elevations and atmospheric temperature and then uh she looks at Magu and Ruby, thinks like, you look like you'd be cool. Help me cool down. She tries to pick him up to like put her on her, to put him on her head like an ice bag. And he just collapses like he's made of like Nickelodeon slime, basically. And she realizes, oh, you're not handling the heat well at all. So she decides that they need to cool off. So she's like, oh, I know uh, we've got this shaved ice maker in the house. So, you know, you put ice in the top of it and you make shaved ice and then you put some flavoring in it. Magu thinks at first it's some sort of torture device, and Rue just, again, unfazed, is always just, stop thinking about gross stuff. And is like, no, so you make dessert with this. Uh, Magu digs into some that she makes, and he's like, this is just water. It holds no (laughs) nutritional value. (laughs) So... Ruru gets upset about this and she's like I'm going to prove to you how great shaved ice is as a dessert I'm going to go buy some more toppings so you stay here and watch the house while I go get some more shaved ice the descendant of the holy knights Izuma Kisaragi shows up at the house at just that moment and he's like I had this pigeon looking out for you okay <laughs> alright uh, then he spots the shaved ice and Izuma's like, wait a minute, that red liquid on top. Is that, it looks like blood. What have you done to that pearl girl? And he gets the exact same thought in his head about the ice make- shaver that, uh, M- Magu did. And of course, Magu has to say things in dust the most suggestive way possible in terms of, making it seem like he killed her, but be like, she currently is carrying on a mission using her very being to provide me with sustenance. And he looks like he's got blood dripping out of his maw. So Izuma's pissed off. He starts to attack. Ruru shows back up uh, at her house with all the stuff to make shaved ice while Izuma is panting, trying to catch uh, Magu while the pigeon flies around the room. It's being very helpful. Uh, Izuma says, all right, time to finish you off. And Rue steps on him to be like, stop it, you know. And uh, then Izuma collapses from the heat because he's basically suffering from heat stroke because it's that hot. Because And he was also, you know, running around while wearing basically a leather jacket. So she makes some shaved ice and Izuma comes to to see Magu working the shaved ice maker, cranking it around because, you know, that's what you would expect a God of Destruction to do. And uh, they make some shaved ice. And uh, Rue's got all sorts of different toppings in it. Uh, Magu disagrees with her declaration that it's the ultimate shaved ice because it doesn't have enough nutrition in it. So he just dumps an entire thing, of, an entire meal on it so that he can have that instead. And then he uh, offers it for to because he's like, yo, feast on the grace of a god. Izuma throws Magu away. And then says, I will crush you once and for all with my holy sword. And he takes out a fan instead because he realizes, oh, right. My holy sword was taken by the police. (laughs) Reality just comes. (laughs) She's like, we we can't let you have this sword. So... Uh... Izuma tries to attack using the fan. Instead, he uses a sword attack and casts Arctic Blizzard on them. And they're just like, yay, it's all nice and cool instead. And then Magu sucks up the blizzard that he casts at them. And also some flavoring, I think. Yes, he he sucks up flavoring at the same time as the ice. And he's like, hmm, concentrated animal fat. I understand now, yes. Izuma gets upset because he has been defeated again, so he runs away. And, but R- before he gets away, Ru is like, hey, you left your jacket and all, and this pigeon and stuff. Take them with you. What's uh, the
1: part that would be high in protein? I don't know. I'm really trying to think. I'm like, I don't 100% know what he has there, but I'm like, what thing on that would have a lot of protein in it? <laughs> From sauces.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's a good question. Uh, well, it looks like the t- one of the tubes that he is squeezing says Miruku on it. So. Maybe it's some sort of cream that might have protein in it. That's a lot of protein
1: for cream. Maybe he's eating that shit. Like, it looked like he dropped like a bunch of beans and shit. So maybe, maybe that's him sucking up the beans that were like thrown on top. I could see something
0: like that, maybe. And it's hard to tell what's on the second bottle. Yeah. Mm. Anywho. So uh, Ruru gives uh, Izuma his uh, stuff back, as he and he leaves, and Ruru says, like, you know, I wish that you, Magu would get along with him, because, you know what, you guys have a lot more in common than you think. And uh, we get this kind of, like, little collage of how they seem to have the same reactions to allow things. Destroying what they don't understand, being confused by modern technology, etc. And uh, we cut over to Izuma to see him having some of the shaved ice that uh, Ruru made, and he's like, hmm, it's sweet, so nice little chapter yep there you go okay chris it's it's time paradox
1: ghost Rider. <laughs> it's penultimate chapter as we've just found out as well
0: yep. chapter 13 Rider. ding your cancellations almost ready so
1: <laughs> almost why is um, it dinging then it's not ready yet <laughs>
0: It's just like... It's a a warning
1: beep, you know? Can you imagine how fucking annoying it would be if my microwave dinged to be like, your food's almost ready, Like, but it's not? What the fuck is this? Like, if your alarm went off to be like, almost
0: time to wake up! So, I can sum this chapter up very quickly. Tepe had the mirror uh, mirai robot frees time for everything except for him and anything he interacts with so that he can just spend as much time as he wants writing manga and he writes manga for probably centuries honestly so and I, he eventually just like stops keeping track of time as he is writing manga
1: it it makes me laugh because at like i i mentioned last week I was like he's going to write his own series and that's going to be what uh you know teaches her, because that it seemed like stuff that he created himself is the only thing I really get through to Ayano. And then it's really like, oh no, he's just going to outwork himself more than her. He's like,
0: you can't die of exhaustion if I do it first! Ah, shit, I can't die of exhaustion here. The rules of the world of Frozen Time that he's in are that he doesn't get hungry, he doesn't get tired. And so he just writes manga, writes manga, writes manga, writes manga, writes manga, writes manga, writes manga. He writes like the entirety of white Knight five times and then says, now I have to draw something that outdoes it. And then he's, his watches run out of batteries. I mean, he could have just gone and kind of gotten more, but whatever. Uh, and he's like, you know, looking back on it, measuring time was a big source of mental support, but now I don't think I need it anymore. <laughs> however many thousands of days, however many thousands of years it takes. I will never break down. For all of this time, I had nothing unique to offer. Nothing I could say to the ears, but now it's different. I finally remembered, and that's why I draw. Not to force Aino to give up on her dream. There's something very important I need to tell you through manga. <laughs> Tepe's entire room is full of manuscripts. Bef- I, I, I then- like
1: to think of... Because he has to, like... He's been doing this for, what, I think somebody counted like it's like at least 34 years as it is before he eventually just loses his track. Right. So, like, I like to think it's him, like, like be like doo, 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 and just punching through a window so he could break into an office <laughs> and steal more paper because he's <laughs> like yeah when you're drawing for 34 years non-stop you kind of run out of paper it's been a real he's like guess i'll take a, a quick trip over to tokyo to smash it and see what fucking shit they got over there and like once time stops they're like Ladies and gentlemen, there's a real panic. There is no paper left in all of Japan. <laughs> it's all used.
0: So, Tepe finishes up the chapter after looking down at one last manuscript. I guess he's satisfied, and then he runs off, and as he's running off, he happens to spot some kid who's in the middle of dropping his ice cream cone. That's kind of it.
1: Um, He puts the ice cream cone back in his hand, so he won't drop oh, it.
0: Oh, he puts the ice cream cone back. Okay, yeah. that's nice of him. Yeah. Um, So I do like that, yes, the answer to we have to prevent Aino from working herself to death is, I'll work myself to death instead.
1: (laughs) It basically is. I really, I didn't think they'd go so far as to be like, Tepe doesn't have a story in his heart. Or at least that's what he thinks. But actually, no, he doesn't. He needs magical abilities and the ability to write non-stop for 34 straight years before he has a manga worth sharing with the general audience. You're like,
0: that can't possibly be right. What lesson <laughs> what he, is that? What if he does hand it over to Aino's like, hey, look at this. And she's like, this is kind of bad. <laughs> she's like, I kind of feel Did like. This, it feels like you wrote this after you spent a long time telling yourself what would be good and never asking anyone else for an opinion for like literally years. Like, have you actually taken a look at this? Literally, all the characters are either named Tepe or, a girl Tepe wants to fuck. Like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's You really overwrote this, and I, I can't help but feel like this is the result of 34 plus years of non-stop magical manga making thanks to a robot microwave. And you're like, I mean, the robot wasn't the
0: microwave, so no, stupid, you're wrong. This, I mean, it's such a weird message, because it seemed as though we were going in the direction of like, Yes. You know, if you have a story within you that is trying to, you know, be created, then that is, you know, sometimes it's very important to do that. But you have to have some form of balance or otherwise you're going to kill yourself. And it took that and said, like, but if you're really obsessed and you had a time machine that would make (laughs) it so you didn't die, then that would be great. It's it's mixed messaging. And it's
1: it's so phenomenal because you really when you first read this series, you assume that it's going to be a story about like manga can change the world, you know, in the same way most manga tend to portray manga as something that changes the world. 20th Century Boys did it. Dr. Stone did it. This idea that like manga has this way of touching the soul in a way no other medium can. And anybody with the right amount of passion can tell that sort of story, except Tepe. He's really bad at conveying thoughts, so he needs 34 years in a void realm before he's able to put something out that's somewhat enjoyable. And you're just like, this can't possibly be the right message to send.
0: Tepe's got to get over to Aino's place and he's going to show her the manuscript he's made. And it's just going to be that one homework project from SpongeBob that just goes the <laughs>
1: <laughs> I really, I really want them to like, like she reads the manga she's like, this is pretty good. You know what power really changed the world though that magic time stopping ability that you alter the world in your own ways for 34 years that's the real magic
0: fuck manga we need that power i'm gonna go work myself to death creating a time machine (laughs)
1: like
0: no she's always gonna work herself to death i'm just giving her a more ambitious dream to follow it turns out crushing her dream wasn't the answer at all. It was just teaching her the value of moderation. <laughs> that robot lied to me. Beep boop. <laughs>
1: Remember, I'm not a robot. I'm some construct of an author's will or a god. I'm not really sure. <laughs> Fuck, I love this series. It's so dumb. And I I can't wait to find out what the last chapter is. I really like uh. cannot wait. It's
0: it's fueling What's going to result from this madness? Yeah.
1: Like, you can't show something. Like, he has to hand her the manuscript, and she has to look at it without the reader's ever seeing. it. Because if he hands her, like, fuck it, he's like, this is super white knight. It's like white knight Kai. I basically trimmed it down a little bit shorter, and she's like, oh, this is the perfect digestible amount of
0: content. I no longer want to work myself to death. <laughs> oh, Chris. Right. It seems that Tepe might not have learned the true lesson that there was to learn from this. Will someone else learn, though?
1: I don't or know, will Nick. We never learn. We'll never learn. Question 170 A Pizza Bet Equals Tomorrow Night's Pixie, Part 2. So we continue with life on the island. Um, excuse me. Louis, uh, I was about to call him Luega. Luega is watching like the kids play. He's a little bit tired. Uh, and then one of the kids is just like, hey, is it true that you're dating Dr. Asumi from the infirmary? And he's like, where'd you hear that from? They're like, yeah, it's a small island, so you know, people kind of heard things. Word's
0: around, yeah.
1: Yeah, and he's just like, whoa. And there's a moment of him being like, no, 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 that's a misunderstanding. And one of the girls is like, yeah, you really think he'd have a girlfriend? He's too derpy. <laughs> and he's just like, whoa, come on! Be nice! <laughs> why you gotta be like that but then we get a flashback to the night before where they've put a little curtain over the hole in the wall and yeah. Yorika helps show her the stitching and she's like it's wow actually, it's,
0: a, it's actually a cute little detail because they've made basically they're basically treating it like an official door at this point there's a you know a little sign that it says knock before and opening and stuff yeah. so, and
1: cute. she's like wow you really like thanks for your help this really has made this a lot better. Like easier and you know you're like wow and you've really progressed so quickly so they share just a little bit moment there and uh, eventually she's like you know what I'm glad because like I'm glad we met again because when you're around somehow I feel safer and you has like a little blushing moment and she's like oh did I make your heart race and he's like oh stop it so she's like you gotta stop it the landlord's gonna come in to be really angry <laughs> So, we get back, and it's just him thinking, like, ah, you know, about her thing of, like, oh, I feel shy about this, but I'll make sure to show you my affection. He's like, oh, what did she mean by that? Uh, sick girl shows up, and basically it's just like, thanks for helping me. I'm kind of a space case sometime. And then a bunch of the older teachers come up, and they're just like, oh, you saved the world. You saved that <laughs> student. Whatever. <laughs> Nick, I'm running on a lot of expired DayQuil right now, so the things I say might not make a lot of sense. Um, I don't really know what this fucking conversation's for. Oh, basically, they're like, you be the health coordinator. They decide that he's yeah. the health
0: coordinator now, which yeah. means that when Asumi comes to the school to give kids their shots, Yui goes do. It's an excuse yeah. for them to be meeting up in another location yeah, aside from just their apartments.
1: Yep, alright, so there's just a little moment Asumi is like Hey, come on, settle down Be a good boy, this won't hurt And the boy's like, you're lying And, you know, runs away And then there's one who flips up her skirt It's very rude, it's not a nice thing to do And, uh, they're like "Uh, It'll hurt for sure with such a nervous doctor You're no good And Yuaga's like Hey, hold it, you kids And they just run away And Yuega's like, are you okay? And she's like, it's okay. Uh, Her mom's like, it's a good learning experience. This is different from what she learned in school and in simulations. Now she has to deal with real human patients. And Yuega's like, oh, dealing with real people. He remembers that being uh, a thing before. So he goes, finds the kids. They're all like eating ice cream. They go to run, but he's like, nope. I I guess he buys them ice cream or something. Basically, he, he hangs out with the kid and explains, like, yeah. yeah, you know, we were poor, but I got to learn cool tricks from being poor, because you kind of learn <laughs> to appreciate like, everything. Let me rap with you, kids! <laughs> <laughs> Come on, kids! Uh, and, of course, one little kid's like, you were a kid once? And he's like, yep, and I hated shots, that too. Amazing works. <laughs> yep. Uh, and I'm honestly still not wild about them. And then the one girl who called him Derpy is like, wimp, and you're a grown up! <laughs> He's like, "Come on, grownups are I people too."
0: That means you have to be nice to me. <laughs>
1: it's in the rules. Uh, he's like, "Hey, I grownups are people too, and as a person, I want you kids to know me better, and I want to know you better too." So he goes home, and Asumi's there wearing her maid outfit, and she's like, "Your your dinner and your bath are ready, and the house is sparkling clean too." And he's just like, oh, senpai, you're my main outfit. She's like, yep. As I said, it's embarrassing, but I promised. And hey, I think I've still got it going on, right? And he's like, oh, this is what you meant by showing your appreciation. Anyway, guys, like a moment like, wow, she looks more grown up. Uh, It's like, wow, she's somehow gotten even sexier from it. And she's like, oh, what's up? You don't seem displeased. And he's like, oh, uh, uh, and she's like, I really was hoping you'd like it. Now, please let me practice my injections. <laughs> and you're
0: holding up a syringe. He's like, what, what does this entail? <laughs> because using injecting anyone with like anything could be potentially dangerous. I was like, you can't fill it with nothing. So now that'll just make him have a heart attack. <laughs>
1: She has a little moment, too, where she, like, hops on top of him, and she kind of almost has, like, a Yandere look. She's like, don't worry, I won't hurt you. And then she just kind of looks off to the side, and goes like, are you afraid of real human patients? And we cut over to the next day, where he brings the kids back to get their shots, and... And Azumi's there, she takes a big deep breath, and then she's like, hey, I heard that you know of a great fishing spot, you, would you mind showing me sometime? And the kid's like, oh, wow, you like you like fishing too, Azumi-sensei? Do you like boat fishing or shore shifting? And she's like, there, done. they like, what? She's like, yep, that's all it was. It's all getting a shot usually was. And everyone's like, whoa, if he got that shot, and he hates getting shots, maybe it doesn't hurt so much. So then she just talks to all the kids, says these different things, and assuming his mom's like, so what kind of magic did you use? He's like, nope, oh, just a little innocent chat. And we cut to the night before, where after Uega basically confronted her on it, basically says, hey, here's what I learned about those kids. I went and talked to them and learned a little bit about each individual one, and here's the details that you can use to basically get in with these kids. And assume he's like, wow, that, thank you for telling me. I don't know if this makes it less scary. And he's like, oh, well, I'm not a doctor. So I really don't know how scary it is to face real human patients. But I do know one thing. I know how capable you are at sincerely connecting with people and genuinely making them smile. So I think it's fine if you're scared. Your fear shows just how much you care about your patients. And it's a very little sweet message. And Yuwaka takes the rest of the kids away, and asumi sits on the rooftop, and she's like, "Ah, oh, man, he's too big for his britches." But I guess it is true that I feel kind of safe around him. And she pulls out the little Doctor Fish keychain that Yuwaka had made for her, what like eight years ago now. At this point in universe, so she still carries that around, which is a very sweet thing. And then she says, "Maybe tonight I'll wear my nurse outfit."
0: It's very sweet. It's very um... very sweet. I do appre- definitely appreciate that, yeah, we've got this like plot that feels like, yes, this is, you know, an Sumi plot. Um, so,
1: it's nice. Yeah, it's it's a very sweet chapter. I, I really do like Uega going out of his way and doing this very simple, but very meaningful thing and it calling back to something that we had seen before when she had the, the patients basically, at the maid cafe and everything like that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I and mean, we got to learn how Awesome she was at, uh, you know, understanding people and, you know, paying attention to their ailments and stuff. Yep. All right. Dr. Stone. It's time to get stoned. Z equals 162. Down the earth stained path. We've got a color, color cover page for this chapter, which is basically done like a movie poster, which is nice. Uh, they're making a freaking tunnel boring machine under Chrome's direction. Uh, we start off with uh, Chrome and uh Sukasa is there, and Chrome is shouting at Hyoga, No, you can't, as as Hyoga stabs forward with his spear using his Kanryu spear technique, and it looks like he's stabbed Chrome! And uh, he was actually just digging into the into the into the side of a little hole with it. He's, he's starting to tunnel that way instead. That's all. It was, it was a fake out to make it look like he was betraying them. It was a joke, yeah. Uh and so Hyoga's upset with them because he's like, you guys freaking making me use my martial arts to dig a freaking hole like this. Um, so but so he starts thinking that way. But Sukasa points out they're going to need a proper drill before they strike bedrock, which won't be too much longer. Uh, we, But Chrome says he's got Kaseki on that. We cut over to where Kaseki has just forged a drill which he refers to as a spiral sword it's very cool looking uh and uh ginro's bodyguard are immediately like hmm it looks like it would be great for impaling and eviscerating people so there you go uh kaseki has no idea how the drill is supposed to work um but they're like okay we have to deliver this to chrome's location so they load it up onto the mobile science lab and uh, they're like, hey, you know, there is a lot of stuff. And, you know, digging the tunnel is going to be, you know, really, really uh, big operation. And whoever does the deliveries should probably stick around to help them. But if we send a big group with a lot of manpower, then they're going to notice it. So Ry- Ryusei just says, well, in that case, we need to send a man with the strength of 100. So, of course, Taiju is the one. And we get, you know, a brief little montage of uh, Ryusei, uh instructing Taiju on where to go on a map and Taiju's setting off, but before he leaves, he looks back at his buddy Senku, and he tells Yuzuriha and Luna to that he is leaving Senku in their hands to look after him. And then he gets in the mobile science lab, and he starts driving off. Then Luna's two suitors see it going, and they're like, hey, they're, they're sending a car, so one of us should probably tail this thing. And they start fighting immediately because they're like, hey, you know, you keep it. I, I'm going to keep an eye on Miss Luna. You go tail that thing when they get into fight over it. Taiju pulls to a stop next to them, gets out and says, what's up? Because Taiju wanted to quote a commercial he was born after it aired. But uh, he greets them and he's like, hey, you know, you two are probably keeping watch over us, right? Well, If one of you is going to tail us, then why don't you just ride with me and make it easy on you? And so they're shocked by this. But Carlos gets in the car and rides with Taiju. Uh, He tries to talk with Taiju, but they don't understand each other because Carlos speaks English and Taiju speaks Japanese. But he understands a little bit about what Carlos is saying. And he assures him, hey, Luna's doing okay. He's taking care of my buddy. According to Rusui, she's probably a spy, but that doesn't bother me. They won't treat her poorly, I promise. And Carlos just says to himself, I don't really know what he's saying, but I can tell he's a decent guy. Then we cut very briefly over to <laughs> the, the main he- uh, headquarters on the Perseus. And they're like, did Taiju ever get his driver's license? And we cut back over to the science lab and it's hitting literally every tree that it meets along the way. Until Carlos eventually takes the controls and uh, he is the driver. So he uses his driving skills to pilot a car instead, despite the fact he doesn't really know why he's helping the enemy, but he does it anyway. They arrive on the scene. Carlos is tied to a tree um, because, and Taiju upset about this because he's like, he's the cool dude who drove me here. You know, Carlos overhears them talking about the tunnel that they're making to the castle. Um, they start pulling out the parts from the, from the uh, lab and Carlos is like, these guys are just kids. Like, they're just a little bit younger than Miss Luna. They're like high school-age kids. Are they serious? Are they seriously going to tunnel over to the castle? It's impossible. There's no way they could possibly manage this. And he just kind of, like, is in denial over this more and more as he sees them working really hard, everyone doing their part, uh, going over Chrome's plans, Chrome assembling stuff. Uh, Sweeka and the others moving stuff uh, into the tunnel and so on and uh, eventually they uh, get to a wall that they can't progress through under manpower alone although Taiju's been helping out helping to dig the tunnel but they bring the drill in and it's got a motor hooked up to it and Taiju pushes it through and he declares we're breaking through as he starts digging through the tunnel one earth stained step at a time so cool stuff yep it's a good chapter nice chapter nice solid we did a science thing dr stone chapter
1: all right uh a second got to get the right background for national national magic and muscles (laughs) chapter 27 mash van dead and the high tier speed magic so last time mash used his head to crack open abyss razors mask (laughs) And now we see Abyss moving backwards, and there's a moment where we glimpse that they have this red eye, where the iris is basically almost have like kind of a snake slit, and then like the iris is almost like a like a summoning seal in it. It's very very scary, and Ash is immediately like, "Oh no, that red eye could could it be that are you bleeding?" did, <laughs> Abyss did is, I hurt you? And Abyss is just like, "You don't know what this eye means." And Ash is like, "No, I'm sorry." He's like, "Don't apologize."
0: He's like, "Okay." <laughs>
1: he's like, he explains, like, all right, this eye, it's called the evil eye. It's a cursed eye that temporarily disables the magic of all who fall under its gaze. And magic is everything in this world. So, thus, I am a pariah. I am a target of scorn. Everyone hates me. And Mash is like, oh, I feel kind of bad. You can't use that eye on me at all. And (laughs) the viscerative is like, no, it's...
0: I am just kind of like laugh a little yeah. bit too. So I think he does actually find this kind of amusing. So
1: it's pretty adorable. Uh Abyss is like, no, look, I am the natural enemy of all magic users. I have been feared and despised my whole life by everyone, even my parents. So I suppose someone as seemingly blessed as you probably can't understand what it's like to wish you had never been born. So then they use Accelerate's second th- and this big dome of
0: arrows shows up, force field, and an arrow- It's, very, uh, it's a very Byakia's Bankai kind of looking thing, the yeah. Dome of Swords, so.
1: Yeah, so uh, an arrow facing down appears on Mash's chest, and he's like an arrow, and he gets cut a whole bunch, and the arrow kind of starts going, moving down on his body, and he keeps getting cut even when he thinks he shouldn't, and- the Razor's like, ah, you surprised by your lack of speed. This field decreases the speed of those within it and grants that speed to me. So, Mash is getting slower, and he's just getting faster and faster. So, Abyss is like, you won't get me a second time. This is the end. There's a big flurry of blows. And then Mash is slowly just, like, while he's getting cut up, just lifting his fist into the air. And then just punches the ground. And explodes it. So, it literally kind of, like, folds in on itself. And he's like, wow, even while slowed, he could still exert this much power, but an attack like this can't stop. And he like, gets punched in the face, and he, he basically kind of blocks it. He's like, ah, he, he did that to limit my movement. I need to back off and try. And Mash is stepping on his foot, and he's it's like, so good. Mash is like, got you a second time. <laughs> and he's like, I can't move. And the chapter ends with Mash saying, full muscles magic,
0: hurricane rush. It's such a cool moment of like, okay, I need to back away. And He's just stepping on his foot so <laughs> he can't get away. <laughs> it is supremely dope. Yeah. Um, it's got a little bit more of the comedy that yep. uh, more recent chapters uh, haven't had. Uh, but it's still got the cool action that we've been getting in a lot of these recent battles. So nice chapter. Mm-hmm. Let's move over to Mission Yozakura Family. Mission 47. <laughs> I'm never not going to react to that. <laughs> Mission 47. Yuzukura blood. Mutsumi is looking after Tayo, who is not in great shape right now. Uh, and she is like praying to her mother to protect Taiyo. Uh, but of course, they can't move him. So they just are keeping put while everyone is trying to look after them. All the rest of the family is out fighting. All the people who have been summoned and uh, they're all tough. They're having a hard time with them. Um, they're just kind of observing. These guys aren't getting knocked down as easily by our by our techniques as they as a bunch of mooks normally would be. A bunch of them trying to attack Yoichiro and immediately like get cut up by a web of his wires that he's got surrounding the entire mansion to prevent anyone from getting near it. And of course, then there is Goliath, the freaking giant dog who's tearing through a bunch of people. So they go over, call over to their leader, who is this guy. who has got all of these swelling muscles bulging out of his shoulder. Uh, and they're like, hey, we can't hold this guy any longer. And he's like, hang on, Just keep him occupied. A normal person's compatibility for cherry blossom leaf Hazakura is limited to 3%. Even no men who boasted a 10% rate couldn't make a dent. If you have more than 60%, you still can't let your guard down against them. And then he goes over and he punches Goliath really hard. And Goliath goes flying all the way into the mansion and busts a hole into it. And uh, as the guy follows after Goliath uh, through the hole in the wall, he observes, ah, you deactivated the cocoon mist. How I ride that the biggest weakness of the most sinister family was their love for each other. And uh, Kyoitro has come up behind him. He's like... I'm not going to let you have an easy death for what you've done, basically. Uh, then there is a crackle going over their both of their earpiece communicators. And QH realizes our, the speakers of our devices are being interfered with. And then someone speaks into a ring. Activate hibernation, which basically causes a full lockdown of the mansion with the big guy inside the mansion and with Kyoichiro locked outside because he couldn't take three steps and get inside anyway. I don't know. Maybe he did on purpose. I don't know. He, uh, he just said like, all right, I'll go retrieve the previous head's ring from him. And yeah, that's going on. The big guy uh, turns off the power by just ripping some wires out of the wall uh, Mutsumi is like, oh no, the back the medical equipment stopped working, then now his room should have backup power, but what if they short circuited the mansion's entire power supply? What's going on? And I'm cut off from everyone, I can't communicate with them. And she realizes Tayo's pulse is getting weaker. Oh no, he's gonna die. And uh, I feel like even my computer wants me to get through this chapter because an advertisement from one of my programs just popped up. So, there's that. So, she realizes what she needs to do. And so she goes over to a shelf to where there is a syringe that contains Nanao's easy blood collecting kit. Okay. And so she uh, puts a tourniquet around her arm and then takes some of her blood out. And we get, you know, narration from, like, her mother, I believe, saying, like, do you understand the blood that flows in our bodies has special power within it? And if you use that power, you can do anything evil. But that also means you can use it for good. Just know that a power as great as this also comes with suffering. If you want to use the power for someone else, it must be someone so dear to you that you'll be willing to accept all of their suffering, too. And so she injects Tayo. With the Yuzakura family blood, the blood that makes people have superpowers. And she takes his hand and she says, you've always come to my rescue, Tayo, and I haven't done anything for you yet, so don't leave me. She's crying. The big guy emerges. He reaches out towards Mutsumi. But Tayo wakes up and he throws a knife to the guy and all of his bandages go bruv, bruv, bursting off because he's super healed now. And he picks up the taser gun while holding Mutsumi and he says, don't lay a finger on her. And his eyes have taken on a shape to let you know that he's got the Yuzakura family blood. He he uh, he uh, killed his brother and uh, and cried about it. So yeah. he's got Sharingan powers now. Oh, now you magically evolved.
1: Eh. Eh. Nick, eh. I say we drop. Mission to family, because this chapter is, uh, when I read this chapter, I was like, this is either the beginning of the end, which I don't think it is. It's gaining a Color Page next week, which wouldn't seem to indicate it's doing that poorly. This is either the beginning of the end, or this is where, this is the biggest chapter in this series to date. And I felt nothing at the end of this chapter. Nothing. And I don't really want to talk about it anymore. I'm not saying this series is bad. It just, for whatever reason, does not connect with me whatsoever.
0: We'll see you guys next week for Ayakashi Triangle. (laughs) Yeah, it's
1: coming. It's coming in, guys.
0: (laughs) Look, I'm really glad that people like this. I have actually been reading Ayakashi Triangle and. It's not as bad, one, as I thought it was going to be. It's, It's bad, but it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. And two. There would have been more for us to talk about <laughs> chapter to chapter than this series. So
1: yeah, it's it's just the thing where I'm like, I really don't, for whatever reason, this series just doesn't connect with me, and I'm glad people dig it. This isn't me saying it's a bad series. It's a series I generally just feel met on, and when this chapter came out, which is such a, it feels like it's it's meant to be a hugely significant chapter, and it still just doesn't move like the needle one way or the other i'm just like then it's just not going to change like i could read the series and i'll keep reading it just in the background but it's like if this doesn't move the dial a little bit
0: then it it probably just isn't going to move so how about this we'll keep an eye on yozakura family Mm. and if something happens (laughs) we'll talk about it yeah But I think it is time that we have a series that we don't just have the reaction of every single week. Yeah. And occasionally there has been a, a little something just here and there. It's like Mutsumi danced with the Beluga this week, but there was an annoying guy in the rest of the chapter, that kind of thing. Sometimes it is so ridiculous that we do make note of it, but it's not that ridiculous. Yeah. So, if you don't want to read it, I'm not going to fight for it. So
1: as I said, I'll keep reading it. I just don't want to add it to the recap because I feel like every week I'm coming in with nothing to say because I I don't have a feeling on it. And it's not like the other series that shall not be named that I didn't have feelings for. I was like, I at least found stuff occasionally to start talking about or joking about. I just don't have any effort for this series. I just I don't know. People have different tastes. Yes.
0: Black Clover. All right.
1: Let's talk about Black Clover. Nick, this is page 261, Shadows of Night, with a pretty cool cover page. Yeah.
0: We're running through the Shadows of the Night, so come on, baby, take my hand. It'll be all right. Indeed. Um, Bring yourself to me tonight. Yeah, all
1: those things from a song that I would probably remember if I wasn't dosed up on
0: (laughs) a lot of expired day quill. Rhythm of the night? Pat Pat Benatar. Ow.
1: da 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 We are young. Da, That's know. not the song. <laughs> well, it's the best Pat Benatar song, so. It's a pretty
0: great song. It is good.
1: All right, so we open, uh, the Black Bulls are in a church, I guess? I don't know. They're in a city, and a dude I probably should remember, but I just don't, <laughs> is there, and he's <laughs> like, you can't fix this arm, and I'm like. Uh, all right, cool. So we're we're establishing like the something's up with Asta's right arm. It looks like it's going to be a permanent change, at the very least, it can't be immediately just fixed by the first hero they find. I mentioned it's like yeah, and the Golden Dawn have been decimated. I have you know, I'd prefer to have other recovery mages take a look at it, but I'm I'm really glad you only suffered minor injuries. And Fenroll, who looks just devastated, was like yeah, Asta. Yeah, poor Fenroll. Yeah, he's like Asta and Yami protected us. That's why. So uh, be sure to give Goush a proper look. And the guy looks over Goush and he's like, was he really run through with the giant sword? I mean, this, this is beyond recovery. The, the, the very tissue itself has been reassembled. Gray, I don't think the true nature of your magic is transformation. So a little mm. tease to, to something more to Gray which does really kind of emphasize everyone in the Black Bull, except for Magna having something very cool about them, you know, like, Charmy's a dwarf, oh, Goush has the magic eye, Charmy's magic is something beyond transformation, and then it's just Magna being like, hey guys, I made a
0: fiery baseball plate! <laughs> <laughs> I can use it like a shield! I'm the fifth most powerful fire mage that has gotten focused <laughs> in this series!
1: Uh... The, we see Finro and Vanessa looking very sad, uh, basically saying, hey, they're going to hold another captain's meeting later on. So all you guys can really do right now is rest up. That night, Asta is resting. He starts his, his arm starts pulsating. He wakes up in a, in a huff. His book is glowing. And he sees Yami's sword slowly rising out of it. His book has turned Yami's sword into one of his swords. And it's so yes, fucking dark. <laughs>
0: That's right, Asta. You got a sword while doing nothing. <laughs> Again! <laughs> At least this one I can tell is different
1: than the other ones. The other three looked identical to me. And there's something so haunting about the way that Asta is just devastated by it. Like, it just hurts him to see Yami's sword become his. Uh, Asta starts having this moment where he tries to start running, and all of a sudden he can't move. And someone's like, mm, where are you going? And it's someone in a cloak he's like, oh, who's that? Is it his magic that's holding me here? No, I have to go save Master Yami. And person's like, no, you can't. You are no match for that devil host on your own. Where you're trying to go, there are two others who are just as strong. And even the devil you're counting on has given up on you as hopeless. You don't understand that right arm very well either. So as it is right now, going anywhere isn't courageous. It's stupid and reckless. And yes, it's just like... But even so, I have to. Because while we're here, Master Yami is hes just like, oh, him? Why not just leave him be? And Das is like, fuck you. How dare you? This is my best friend. How dare you talk to him about that? And the person's like, oh, I'm very familiar with him. He's, he's rough and violent and savage, irresponsible, unprincipled, unfaithful, stinkiest dumps I've ever seen. <laughs> it's kind of ugly. Just- bad, bad tipper.
0: <laughs> like, Wow. He's got shit taste in movies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he enjoys later Weezer, but not early Weezer. So that, I mean, <laughs> come on. <laughs> he never rewinds whenever we rent from Blockbuster. He rents from <laughs> Blockbuster. <laughs> he goes out of his way to use Netflix's disc delivery service
1: <laughs> instead of using the app. Uh, he's like, hey, he just isn't a decent human being. And if he lost, he's just an idiot. So as to summons one of his magic swords begins pulling it out, and tries to strike, and then a bunch of shadow hands just push him to the ground. And uh, the individual's like, a human who can't defeat me will never be able to rescue Yami. And Asta just remembers, it's your fault for being weak. And he starts crying. He's like, if only I was stronger. And the person says, you're a fool, but you're a good person. I like you. And they look like a pretty normal person with uh, black hair and a ponytail. But then the horn starts to materialize at the top of their head, and they say, "Don't worry, Yami's still alive." And Asta's like, "Weg, wait, who the heck are you?" And the person says, "I am the vice captain of the Black Bulls." Nacht, nacht, knocked, knocked. Yeah. In my mind, I'm like, "Natch," uh, but that's not what it is. It says, "Knocked." If you want. I'll teach you how to use the devil's power. Bum, bum, bum.
0: So Chris it only took us 261 chapters and 12, I think prior introductions, but we finally got the introduction of an existing member of the black bulls who looks cool in their introduction. Yeah. This was a very g- cool way to introduce a new character at a time that Is perfect because this is the vice captain of the Black Bulls. They have this devil power that Asa is just tapping into himself. And so we get, we're gonna, uh, we have all this stuff to look forward to. Like, hey, Noct kind of has this kind of, he looks down on Yami, but they're companions clearly. So, what, what exactly is the relationship between them? What is all the stuff he's been doing spying on the Spade Kingdom led him to? And what's the story with that little imp guy that's hanging out on his shoulder? So. yeah
1: he clearly has devil horns so he's possessed by a devil magic as well mm-hmm. it seems very exciting I, look it's been a very long time probably this is the first time really ever that black clover has been like consistently intrigued uh or intriguing in like an interesting way essentially so i'm really excited to to continue this storyline i think that generally this is what i feel like black clover always should have been as opposed to like Asked to out a sword, he's like, "I punched you! I win!" Like everything now is feeling like there's actual weight behind it, and it 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 really has become much more enjoyable.
0: Yeah. And uh, yeah, I am very curious about. Hang on, Noshed. Is that is that better, <laughs> guys? It's, they're telling us that it's that the ch is pronounced softly. Nosh.
1: Fuck them. That just sounds wrong because they, they don't, don't want get to
0: just it. Notch. Yeah,
1: yeah. They don't get. They don't get to tell you Nach. what to do. Nick, you bludgeon their German ears as much as you want. Just, just go hog wild, like "ach belieben." See, you just you throw out words. You don't even know what they mean. <laughs> You know? I think you actually said words there. <laughs> sure. I'm just gonna go, there's the the, the the one speech, and then it's the lines I remember hearing in Wolfenstein, so it's like me got in him. <laughs> That's all I got. We got in <laughs> That's all I got. You stab a German talk to the death, and he's like, Oh my god in heaven, or something like that.
0: Uh, all right. Let's cap things off this week with One Piece chapter 988. Sorry for the wait. Um, it looks like on our cover page. Hey, Chris, hey all, all friends, my
1: friends. All friends. Da, 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 da,
0: da, da, da. It looks like Pound is not given up on going after his daughters because uh, yeah. he doesn't take no for an answer, I guess. It's very nice. We... So last time uh, when confronted with all of the minks who are going to, of course, go Sulong with the full moon. Uh, Kaido is now being confronted by them. And he's like, oh, right, right, right. You turn into moon lion berserkers known as Sulongs. Uh, but fortunately for him, Jack and a bunch of his warriors have shown up as well. And they are sta- squaring off against some of the uh, the soldiers. And, of course, Cat Viper and Dogstorm Storm remembers like, oh. He brought to ruin a thousand years of peace in our city. Despite her insistence, that there was no samurai there. And then in a very helpful. Oh, right. That is what happened. moment, Riza goes, I am the one they claimed was not there, Jack. Oh, thanks. That, <laughs> that helped me. because I forgot about that. Tea. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, but some other minks step forward. And they're like, no, Dogstorm, Cat Viper, you two stand back for now. Save your strength for Kaido. And we're introduced to the Whale Forest Guardians, Roddy and BB. which is the most intimidating <laughs> names ever.
1: Oh, man. It's like um, like if the natural disasters came out and they were, they didn't call them like Earthquake and Typhoon, they were just like, Joe and Jeff. They're <laughs> like, mm, <laughs> no, I think you need to call them
0: Earthquake and Typhoon. Uh, And then uh, the dog storm three musketeers transform as well. They start rushing towards Kaido and his men, who has a bunch of other people do the Sulong transformation. But Jack just calmly orders his troops, hey, don't fall back. The Sulong lifespan is short. And a bunch of the troops are like, hey, we're all animals, too. And we're introduced to one of them, Nangi, who has a line. Nagi <laughs> that's his line okay <laughs> moving on <laughs> so fighting breaks out we cut over to where big mom is and uh, she's like they huh, flew up through the ceiling uh, then they there's some scuffling going on as Shinobu has appeared beside Momonosuke during all of the uh, the struggling and stuff like that King happens to spot her before she can loosen the chains and get him free and of course, he grabs her and throws <laughs> her off the balcony like a freaking—he skips her like a stone. He throws her so <laughs> hard. Uh, so Momonosuke is still is still shackled, or is he? Because Chris, sometimes Sanji's the worst character, but sometimes he's the best character. Aw, it's so good! It's so good. <laughs> the shackles fall apart around Momonosuke's wrists. As Sanji, invisible, tries to make off with him. He doesn't get away. As King springs into action before he can fully get away, the cloaking disappears. And yep, Sanji's there in his full gear that he got from his scumbag uh, family. He starts struggling with King, who uh, quickly transforms into his pterodactyl form. And there is a weird moment where he chooses to make a joke. Because he's like, hey, a big gaping hole in the stomach could kill someone. <laughs> um, so that happens. Uh, King's like, ha, just try vanishing if, if you can. And Sanji's like, well, the invisibility is just a visual thing, so I can't <laughs> vanish, so let me go. <laughs> Uh, oh, I, I should note that uh, before uh, Sanji started scuffling with King, he actually tossed Momonosuke over to Shinobu. And he even had time for a cool line. It's like, hey, Momo, way to drop your name like a man. Yeah. Very cool. And then he, and, and then he throws him his jersey. And, you know, cool. So Luffy instructs Yamato to go and help Shinobu protect Momonosuke. And Yamato's like, can I? And Luffy's like, "What do you you mean? Can I?" And Yamato's like, "Oh right, yeah, he's my son. (laughs) Oh right, (laughs) such a dork. (laughs) You forgot his character for a little bit. (laughs) Let me get in character again. (laughs) Momonosuke, my son that I had 26 years ago. (laughs) So, Big Mom has spotted Luffy. She comes charging towards him." And she's like, oh, we're going to kill every last invading samurai and keep this party going. And then she says, the wedding, the tea party, the feast, you've destroyed everything I look forward to. And she smashes Luffy out of the building. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure exactly how she hits him, but he makes a hole in the wall and goes flying through it and just ends up at the end of the island, basically outside. Uh, And then he's just left going like, aww want to go up there but if she (laughs) follows me that just means more enemies for them to have to fight I think that he starts to run I guess maybe Nami starts to run Nami starts to run okay that's what's going on yeah she takes the opportunity to decide to just book it and then (laughs) and she's got Zeus with her and then she tries to cat so when Big Mom tries to use Zeus to call lightning she's like you freaking swiped Zeus from me! <laughs> so Nami, you know, understands the situation. So she just, you know, holds Zeus in front of her as she's running and goes, This Buster, you've gotta make a choice. You gotta make a choice between me and Big Mom. And so it's like, Well, I can't disobey her. And Big Mom freaking pulls Zeus out of Nami's hands and is like, if you go easy on her, I'm going to make you disappear. Which did make me... Because I was thinking during this little scuffle right before this moment. Well, I mean, I guess Nami could get a power-up by getting Zeus. But how's that going to work if literally Big Mom is responsible for the soul that exists inside of him? And we get a moment of, no, Zeus ain't joining the straw hats here. Wow. Well, he to kill Nami.
1: Yeah, but Nami's like, we're never going to be friends. Unless Zeus Aww. helps her out.
0: So sad. Yeah, But... Chris, as if this chapter weren't already badass enough, (laughs) Brooke and Frankie come riding in on Frankie's motorcycle. And for a moment, Brooke says, activate soul sensor. And Frankie says, the clock? I got rid of it. For I am the wind. I'm Frankie, the freedom rider! (laughs) And they go wrapping up and slice through Zeus and do a wheelie off of Big Mom's face. While Brooke calmly and nonchalantly says consider yourself sliced <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so awesome
1: it's like the moment you need to be like oh right frankie and brooke are just awesome they're just the best the fucking best." he just nonchalantly fucking wheelies big mom's face everyone's like who are they and he's just like did i hit something
0: <laughs> I- I guess they were trying to attack Zeus and big mom just happened to be in the way. Yeah. Like it clearly, uh,
1: like Brooke cut through Zeus and I guess like they just didn't realize Big's
0: mom's face was right behind him. And as if Frankie hadn't just had an amazing badass slash super cheesy line and then had the awesome one liner Oops. Did I just run over something? Oh, well, Nami is super happy to see Frankie there to save her ass. And she goes, big bro. And Frankie goes, does someone have a runny nose?
1: <laughs> I'm really hoping. So I've heard a lot of people throwing the idea out there. It would be really cool to see a big collection of the straw hats fight big mom. Like essentially everyone, I guess who's not Zoro, Sanji or Luffy be there. Cause Right now, quite a few of them are there. A lot of them have kind of feuds with Big Mom. Uh, Brooke stole her, her palna Uh Nami's been stealing Zeus. Jimbei, hopefully, if he shows up, has obviously a lot of history with her. It does feel kind of cool. And there's something very satisfying about, <laughs> like, fucking Frankie just riding off of her face. It's so cool. <laughs> like, I don't know what else to say.
0: Oh, I guess Brooke was actually the one who sliced through Zeus I guess yeah. that's why he why they, 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 they he made that remark. I thought that like the blade at the uh the rhino horn was mm. the, what did the slicing but of course right Brook yeah. would have had to use his soul cutter thing that makes sense yeah still super awesome uh God there are a lot of good chapters of manga this week Chris there were so but there can
1: only be one there can best only be chapter. one best chapter yes uh which I'm gonna give this week to. I'm going to give it to We Never Learn. I think this was a really fun, good chapter as like the start of everything. And it was a very sweet chapter between Asumi and Uweka. Uh,
0: For shocking the hell out of me and making me actually have a physical audible reaction when I read it, I have to give it to Chainsaw Man. Okay. There was no other series that that did that. I didn't even. I think that there might have been a series that made me a couple of series that made me actually, you know, laugh or chuckle or whatever. But I, they did not make Nicole as I was reading it go. Is everything okay? So
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, when a series can get like that kind of authentic reaction out of you, where you you mm-hmm. you audibly do something or have that moment, yeah. MVP. Um, I want to. All right, I'm gonna cheat. I'm gonna split mm. I'm gonna split mine. But they're both from the same series. I wanna give it to Sanji because Sanji looked so supremely cool, and I, I do enjoy it when Sanji shows up. So I wanna give it to Sanji, but I also want to give it to Frankie because he did a big he did a wheelie off of Big Mom's face. And those are both equally cool ways to like reintroduce yourselves into the conflict. So I'm gonna give it to to Frankie and, and Sanji from One Piece.
0: I'm just giving it to Frankie straight up. Okay. He's Frankie the Freedom Rider. Like, so that's that's it. Yeah. Uh, uh the yep. audience.
1: The audience has Mission Yosakura family as their chapter of the week and Uega as their character of the week. Also, sorry, uh it's a tie actually between Mission Yosukura family and Chainsaw Man.
0: Mm. Well that let's see that lets you know just right there where we both just kind of went, eh it was a chapter <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> One of the best chapters of the week, according to
1: you. As I said, it was it was clearly the biggest chapter of that series to date, so. Mm
0: uh okay well that is going to do it for weekly manga recap everyone we want to thank you all who joined us for the live recording and to those of you who listened to the recording itself on all the places where you can find it such as uh recap.podbean.com. and also you can even watch the, the playback of the recording session on, t- on twitch.tv slash you can find it on it
1: uh, spotify as well in case I, I know people have been asking for it so if you want to listen to weekly manga recap it should be appearing on spotify as well
0: spotify we do podcasts now yep we can don't, al- don't know how that took so long but
1: don't know how it took us long so like us or like most artists we can also not get paid by spotify right. <laughs> we've made it chris <laughs> <laughs> until we like taylor swift we're like no we're not gonna put our stuff on there and then uh, like a back uh, like a back door deal happens where it's like all right i'll put it on there yeah
0: <laughs> i guess it's there now <laughs> Uh, you can follow us on social media to find out exactly when the recording session is going to start. At Demember Podcast is the official podcast account. At RollaT and at Nick F. Time are your hosts. Uh, WeeklyMogRecap.Pobby.com is where you can find the past episodes. Uh, you can also join our Discord server where you can use that to just send us general feedback, chat with other uh, people in the Manga Recap. I oh, don't know, I don't want to call it a universe because then we sound way too corporate But you No, know.
1: it's the Weekly Monger Recap Universe, Nick, and next week we're going to do the Thunderdome, and I'm just going to buy a shit ton of tablets and place them up behind me and people can call into it and be live audience, unless they have unless they broadcast like beheadings and yeah, Nazi stuff. people, so that don't do that, fine. Just Pikachu is fine Pikachu was great don't be an animal, is kind of what I'm saying
0: that was such a, I mean, how, amazing how within two days, it was the best part of WWE and the worst part of WWE. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Immediately. Anywho, uh, you can also use that to find the Google spreadsheet that ninjax 3 uh, i maintains where... Uh, we keep track of all the statistics associated with the podcast, including recommendations. So you can find out what has been recommended to us and add your voice to that. Also add your own recommendations and uh, use that to decide, well, wh- what is the audience chosen MVP and audience chosen series of the week and stuff like that. So special thanks go out to Steve Manor Tuckers, to Infamous Plant for making the framework for the visual stream of the, of the show. And to Wednesday Dale Cheddar and Milo Jack Silas for making the opening theme to Weekly Manga Recap. And it's going to do it here yeah. on the show this week.
1: Yeah, we're going to catch you guys later. I don't have it in me for like a wacky send-off, so goodbye.
0: There you go. Bye,
1: everyone.